I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talking Simpsons, the podcast that smells like your grandpa. I'm your host, the withered old clam, Bob Mackey, and this is our chronological exploration of The Simpsons, who is here with me today. Hey, this is Henry Gilbert, and this is the imaginary podcast where radioactive man <laughs> marries Larva Girl. And who do we have on the line? Our special guest. Yes, hello, it is Dan Housen here. Very nice, very evil, very famous. Uh... You know, just uh, doing some Simpsons podcasting, Dan Housen listens to you quite often on the road, so he's been invited as a guest. So that was Thank a you. terrifying guest, and this uh, week's episode is Three Men and a Comic Book. You might say I feel like Radiation Man. That's Radioactive Man, jerk! Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, stand corrected. This week's episode aired on May 9th, 1991, and as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real world history. Oh boy, Bobby, Time Magazine publishes a tell-all on Scientology, Toy Biz releases the first run of X-Men action figures, and the Infinity Gauntlet comic event has begun. Hmm. Issue number one has just been released. So uh, normally it's not so comic book focused in our history, but this was an interesting week for, I was like, wow, both those things happened? Like uh, the Infinity Gauntlet comic was one of my favorite comics growing up. Like it was the first like big event I got into. I was I wasn't old enough for Secret Wars like Secret Wars I was like four when that happened mm-hmm. so I th- I saw the toys but and then that Toy Biz line of the X-Men figures in 91 like that was really when I was at my action figure collecting peak of and by that I mean begging my mom to buy me every every member of the X-Men because you can't just have Wolverine and Cyclops you gotta you need more were they designed to be a possible tie-in to that Pride of the X-Men thing or is this a separate separate uh, entity you know I bet they thought that Pride the X-Men would go into a mm. real show and then uh, but then the next year was when the Saban X-Men show launched and so they they then just had full mm. tie-in toys the next year but these were just straight up comic book toys and they uh, they were awesome mm. I loved all of them like, and then 91 uh, oh. oh yes Dan oh sorry yes Dan Housen's interrupting because he had to say uh, as an avid toy collector since he was a young child he had all of those as well ooh even the uh, even the, the Wolverine pop-out clause one was my favorite as a kid oh uh, Yes. Also, you brought up Pride of the X-Men, yes? Yes. Mm. What a wonderful cartoon. <laughs> Used to have it on VHS. Watch it over and over and over. Me yes, too. 30 Fabulous Minutes for 1995. Yeah. And uh, nice intro by Stan Lee. Yes. We yeah. did a video commentary on our Patreon. That's right. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, Infinity Gauntlet, the comic, like, when I read that in 1991, I had no clue it would become, like, the biggest film ever, like, and at least until Avatar 2 if, through 5 come out, hmm. which I'm sure will replace it. But And this is really when America, or I guess uh, culture as a whole, found out about Scientology. I guess so, okay. yeah. Time was doing a news story on it. it it's, it's more front page. You know, I read Going Clear. It was a good book. I watched mm-hmm. a documentary. The documentary does not include anything about Sea Org, which is the craziest yeah, part of that entire story. stuff. Uh, but- when they had a ship that would go from dock to dock and no country would accept them and no one knew how a ship work on the entire <laughs> ship and of course all the torture and stuff too oh sure yes that, but uh yeah read up read up on that but but dan Housen, you have other memories on on infinity gauntlet i think ah uh, well dan Housen was a little bit too what what year was this again 91 oh yes well dan Housen was uh 100 <laughs> years old only one only have lived once uh so he did not read yet but uh he did was getting toys his father was uh 
stocking up on them for when he got a little bit older. Ah, I see. And uh, yeah, the, the Infinity Gauntlet comic itself is, uh, it, it's as bad as good as one of those crossovers can be because it's like Jim Starlin knew how to write it and also like just every character and make it fun. And it really was about like, it was fun because it was like, okay, who would ever win in a fight? Hulk or the <laughs> Thanos? But then also Thanos would talk about like how empty success can be and how he yearns for oblivion. And it's like, Hey, we've all been there. Yes, yeah. It's... Every single day, Dan has a yearns for oblivion. But uh, but yes, uh, that's that's what happened when this episode ended. But that's that's hardly as important as our big guest, yes. Dan Housen, the very nice and very evil professional wrestler. Oh, I thank you. How uh, gracious of you. Hey everyone, just wanted to say we recorded this a while ago before Danhausen's amazing surprise debut in AEW this last week, so we won't be asking him about his exciting new career update, but rest assured, we're all very, very hyped to see him now in All Elite Wrestling. Me, me and Bob are big fans of you as well. Mm -hmm. We, uh, and when I found out you were a listener of our podcast, I was like, "Whoa, oh my gosh!" Like, oh, yes, I believe it was uh, 2019. Danhausen started listening. Remembers he was driving from Chicago to Milwaukee when he first <laughs> discovered your podcast, and it's been quite a wonderful trip. Danhausen subscribed to the What a Cartoon tier and has been going back and listening to the uh, Talking of the Hill and uh, Talking <laughs> Futuramas and. All the other old cartoons that Dan Housen enjoys. Well, uh, since all of our podcasts are three hours long, they're great for road trips. Yeah. Whatever uh, destination you may choose. rides and driving and all <laughs> of the sorts. Uh, and yeah, I know you're uh, a big Simpsons fan. I watched your your unboxing of the Vans one was, uh, was quite a good video on the Love That Dan Housen feed. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, those were quite wonderful shoes. Dan Housen sees they keep releasing uh, new shoes, but they're not quite on theme as the others. Now, the Vans really were... There's a new run of Adidas, which mm. I did buy a couple of those, I can't lie, but huh. I, I didn't... They, they don't have the same snap to me Henry, as the Vans You need ones. a proper shoe tree. That's We've true. talked about this. It's it should be just a, a, a Christmas tree of shoes in your living room <laughs> needs to exist, I think. It just doesn't seem as much uh, fun went into the new designs. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, and also, I mean, you're toy all the unboxings you do are great i i also saw like your 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 quest for a brack was finally completed recently in a video oh yes that was actually a, a debacle of some sort because uh dan Housen had purchased a brack because he found it for a good price mm. nice bargain and then he got one from a fan housing in an unboxing so we sent the other one back but it was fine because it was from a friend ah that's nice that... now we're on the quest for the uh, toynami futurama series hmm all right. Yeah, I saw you were able to get Fry and Leela, and now it's uh, yes. uh, yeah. All your videos are great, but also your your pro wrestling, like uh, you're in Ring of Honor. You do indie shows all around. Oh, yeah. a wrestler. I forget sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and and I mean, I was I was just showing Bob one of your uh, your match with uh, Brian Johnson or John Stone. And oh yeah. I, I appreciate any wrestler that can get such a deep Simpsons reference. On Your television. wrestler has been crushed into a cube. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. Yes, well, you know, Dan Housen tries to throw in things. Uh, we'll tell the story on here real quick, if that's quite all right. Where uh, Dan Housen brought a spruce moose with him to Maine for wrestling for a company called Limitless Wrestling. And before the match began, he told his opponent to hop in. <laughs> and... Uh, he wanted to see how ridiculous he could get with things. And uh, then the whole crowd of about 300 or 400 people started chanting, hop in. 
Oh man, that's, that's beautiful. Uh, uh, well, and I mean, you've you have been interviewed by Simpsons legend himself, Conan O'Brien. Yeah, he no. was. Oh, yes. He was forced to talk to us. Yes, yeah. but he voluntarily <laughs> talked to you, so it was a greater honor for you. Uh, who knows? Maybe he was tricked into it. <laughs> <laughs> and he's quite the wonderful fellow though as, as i've heard you describe yourself you're 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 if elvira took over the body of conan o'brien and ah, yes you know it describes some sort of uh ways to describe dan housing to people <laughs> who may not know him uh and and yeah we i mean we appreciate any wrestler who especially a, a very nice and very evil one that understands the the qualities of the simpsons that deeply and and, and gets it on national television is as well oh, yes, that's what we have to do we get to those little graphics in the corner where they ask dan housing what do you want this to say <laughs> and once and once you get it on tv then of course then the money you get more famous you get more money it all it all, it all exactly. flows yeah. wonderful <laughs> learned a lot from mr burn and crusty the clown his market, marketing and merchandising that's true. I never. Yeah, yeah we all learn T-shirts of the sweetest plum, right? That's true. And there, there are several million wrestling T-shirts out there. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We have to get, uh, you know, the Dan Housing O's. We've got Dan Housing coffee in the grocery store already, so get it all going. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I guess uh, the T-shirts are the sweetest plum on on, on your ProWrestlingTees.com store. Oh yeah, slash Danhausen. What a plug! <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, I I I got the honor of 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 meeting Danhausen in person at at All Out uh, 2021 in Chicago or Hoffman Estates, you know. But in and what the greater a show. Chicago area, yeah. let's say. I mean that that was an amazing show. But the greatest thrill of all was meeting Danhausen in person. Uh, you know, Brian Danielson right below that, but then. <laughs> Adam Cole, just below. Yeah, it's just below. But yes, with that, uh, Dan Housen was disguised in his human makeup, and he could not tell who anybody was. He did not recognize you at first. <laughs> I he had masks on. It was good. Uh, yes, yeah. It was uh, all credit to my husband for recognizing you just by your eyes and going like, no, that was him. I was like, oh, okay, there he is. <laughs> but... yeah, well, it's quite an eye. And we thought, what a perfect episode to have Dan Housen on about collecting comics mm-hmm. and comic book shops and they're collecting uh, just toys. Because you, I've seen you in on your own channel and also on uh, on Ethan Page, aka Egon's channel. You uh, you you enjoy a trip to a to a collectible store. Oh yes, it's Dan Housen's favorite thing to do when he's traveling about uh, the United States. He tries to find a couple uh, toy stores or comic shops at least and. Go and uh, film a video to help plug the small business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've I've seen some great uh, purchases from you all. Boy, yeah, just seeing you guys go through loose action figures is just fun on its own. <laughs> it's a trip down memory lane, truly. Mm-hmm. This episode, I I was curious, Danhausen, like when when did you start watching The Simpsons? Since it's uh, you know you were one when this aired, apparently, oh, yes. or a hundred and one, I should say. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, you know, uh, Danhausen remembers, so he bases it off the first rem- episode he remembers quoting, which mm. was Marge versus the monorail, which then links back into the Conan, but he always remembers saying Batman's a scientist. <laughs> For no reason, just throughout the day, I'd say Batman's a scientist, or I call the big one bitey. <laughs> Probably about when, but 
There's no telling. This one is also familiar. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the babysitter bandit. Oh yeah, that was uh, that was a favorite of me, mine as a kid. Because uh, any any Bart one that's central to Bart acting like a kid, that was kid me's favorite. Mm-hmm. Like this this was one I replayed on uh, the VHSs many many times. Probably my most replayed season two episode. Because as a little kid, I was like, I still preferred season three, and I I like some see I still like season two, but but I would always bust out the tape like I gotta watch like especially just the comic book like first act. I was like, oh this is uh i i was just getting into comics right when this this mm-hmm. aired as as a youngster myself yes it would still be quite a few years until dan Housen was able to properly read comic books but you'd uh <laughs> started off with morbius he remembers ah the old that, 90s morbius with vampires on the cover that's that's who'd have thought uh, yeah who'd, wow that is, that is perfect dan Housen reading material yeah and uh, of course the bongo comics Yes. Oh, that's so funny you mentioned yes. it. I have my collections. I got them out right here, actually. I was... It remembers the one that was based off the Fantastic Four cover. Oh, right. yes. Yeah. No, that's number one. Actually, let me reach <laughs> a little farther <laughs> here. There it is. Yep. That's it. Yeah. Had it. Certainly the cover was probably torn up because he's probably <laughs> like four or four or something. <laughs> I had the first run of like pretty much every first issue, but but I read them so much I really did beat them up mm. too much. I, I they've destroyed through use. I didn't listen to this episode about how the the oils in your fingers can destroy a comic book. Need that mylar bag. Yeah. <laughs> Now, was there, is he misremembering, or was there a Radioactive Man comic as well? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oil cover? Dan Hodgson believes you'll remember something of sorts. It was glow in the dark. It's him being oh. exploded, and you see his, uh, a Bart man had the, the foil cover because. Yeah. Uh, both of those then. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When the magazine Simpsons Illustrated ceased publication and basically became Bongo Comics, I received the Simpsons one, uh, Itchy and Scratchy number one, Radioactive Man number one, and Bartman number one. Yeah. As the remainder of my subscription. We did not have Itchy and Scratchy number one, but we had the other three. It's uh, Itchy and Scratchy was the weakest of the four, I think, just because they didn't know how to tell an Itchy and Scratchy story for like 20 pages. Yeah. But it, it's still, it's well drawn and everything. It's just the, the Radioactive Man one, Dan Housen, you have helped me just launch into this because the the radioactive man one especially if you're a hardcore comic book fan i think is the best bongo comic they ever did because it is an in-universe comic so basically it's like if you are reading it you are reading a comic book bart simpson could pick up and read in the world of the simpsons so it's like here's an issue that was published in 1972 in the simpsons uh, in the world of simpsons and like marge simpson uh, at 10 years old did a like fan letter that's published in the book and they have an ad for like troy mcclure stars in radioactive man 3 as as the villain like all these uh, like the uh, uh if i may use a banned word kayfabe of it mm. is just amazing <laughs> that it just builds this whole universe and then on top of that if you're a hardcore comic book fan who gets the references to like oh this is drawn like a kurt swan superman or this is drawn like a jack kirby fantastic four or a john byrne uh, x-men then it's even more of a treat if you if you get that. Oh uh, yes, we'll, we'll have to go back and recheck it out. Dan Housen has also just started uh, recollecting old Wizard magazines. Oh, uh, that was a favorite of me and Bob's too. They convinced me I was rich. Yes, I was sitting yeah. on a fortune based on those uh, resale prices that were you know oh, totally yes. true. Well, Dan Housen found them on a Facebook marketplace. 
Mm, that's for a fair price that's good i yeah all my old wizards are i i was a uh pro i think from like issue probably issue like 15 or 16 onward i was i was a wizard subscriber as well until uh probably probably 97 or something i would guess yeah this is that in a toy fair magazine Mm, yeah you know i loved toys uh but i wasn't as hardcore toy collector say you and egon are but <laughs> i just read toy fair because i was like well this is like more wizard and it's like more of the wizard like writing style and comedy and everything oh yes exactly it's quite wonderful you looked forward to it every month and now I, so whenever i see even robot chicken now i'm like boy i was reading those guys 25 mm. years ago in toy fair i i vitamin. Yes. yes. I, I am really the odd man out on this podcast about comic <laughs> books. I mean, I'm a weirdo. It's why I have a podcast, but I did not enter the, the comic book world the same way you two guys did. I was more into like Mad Magazine because mm. money was tight and it's like, do I want one story for $2 or a bunch of stories for $2? So I chose that route. What sent me into comic book shops was the MTV cartoon adaptation of the Max. Ah. That's what sent me into comic books. And then I would pick up image stuff and then I would eventually drop image stuff and just read manga. So mm. that is my weirdo so I have no connection to anything. Uh, I watched the X-Men cartoon. I like the Batman cartoon, but that's about all the cape stuff that I was ever into. But I will admit I'm a weirdo <laughs> and everyone tries to get me into Marvel movies and it has not worked yet. Yeah, they're not for everyone while also being for everyone. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, you're the weirdo among the weirdos. Disney yeah. is trying to break me. That's why they had to buy the Simpsons too. Like if we can't get him with these cape things, he likes uh, those yellow people. It's like Bob, We're the last straw. <laughs> Bob doesn't care as much about Star Wars either either yeah Boy, we gotta we, i guess we gotta own simpsons too if, yeah. they, if disney bought the rights to like old detective novels then they'd have me in the palm of their <laughs> uh, hands the dashel hammett first <laughs> you know that uh, <laughs> well yet yeah, it's i mean to set this episode in time like this is right before the uh, like comics were at a big peak in 91 so in the 80s there was the more serious comics like uh, you know, the Frank Miller's Batman comics, Alan Moore's many comics, especially Watchmen. Uh, and then, of course, in 89, you had Michael Keaton's Batman, which always leading to these, you know, headlines like Biff Wham Pal, comic books, not for kids anymore. Mm -hmm. And and then by 1990, Todd McFarlane is having this crazy huge run on Amazing Spider-Man, launches a second Spider-Man book called, uh, no, actually third, because there was Spectacular, fourth, it's fourth, because there's Amazing Spectacular Web of, and this was the fourth, just Spider-Man. And when he launched that, it sold a million copies. And people were like, wow, a, a comic book can sell a million copies now? And then Rob Liefeld launched X-Force. That sold even more. Jim Lee launched the X-Men. That sold even more. All these new number ones. And then there was news going around of like, hey, you know those musty old comic books you bought in the 60s? Right. Well, they're worth a lot of money now. And and that's where this episode like kind of springs out of, I think. And, mm -hmm. and then All those old books are worth $100 now. Yeah. <laughs> One hundred whole bucks. Wow. And yeah. it's still important to note that uh, I mean, Batman '89 was out at this point. It was a huge movie. Batman Returns was about to come out. Everyone was talking about that. But comics were still a subculture. Mm -hmm. uh, people who read them were considered, you know, outcasts and nor uh, nerds and dorks. Which is why in this episode you can just name like, oh, a Vulcanier, a Phaser, and a lightsaber. That's a joke. <laughs> the joke yeah. is that we're mentioning these things on a popular TV show. Mm -hmm. I remember when, uh, like, in 2007, when the Big Bang Theory was on TV, when it was a new show, people were like. He's wearing the Green Lantern shirt. <laughs> this is an important moment for all of uh, us. Yes. But I mean, that's how uh, out of the regular pop culture this stuff was. But now it is mainstream culture. Oh, yeah. As of like 2008 and onwards, I think, really. And yeah, now everyone's a dork. 
Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You're no better than me. <laughs> There's a couple old interviews we've done that I want to throw people back to if they like we interviewed Bill Morrison about those uh about all of his work with the Simpsons and that includes, you know, he worked on some Bartman stuff. He drew most of the original Bongo comics and ran Bongo comics for years and uh and I think he's very attached to the like lore and world of Radioactive Man that is entirely born out of like two comic pages and like three covers that appear Mm -hmm. in this episode he built a whole world out of it like there's this punt there's the shot of radioactive man punching dr crab from that bill morrison and steve vance the the two creative heads on the radioactive man comic they're like ah well dr crab is his lex luther and so we got to write a whole thing around that and and they're like oh larva girls his Catwoman." so they built a whole story about that and also in february 2019 we interviewed jeff martin and i asked him some very nerdy questions about this episode and he said like oh this was as easy as it is because they were all comic nerds in the (laughs) office and though he said he only went to one comic con in his life before writing this episode Hmm. and it was uh, a Texas one in his youth because he was from Houston and he met Mort Drucker there and he was starstruck meeting the Mort Drucker (laughs) The Simpsons will be right back Welcome to the Springfield Sci-Fi Convention. Too bad we didn't come dressed as popular cartoon characters. Where this Thursday... Who are you supposed to be? I'm Bart, man. Never heard of him. Bart will discover a priceless comic. I let you have it for a hundred because you remind me of me. But to get the cash... Please, Dad. No. Please, Dad. No. Please, Dad. No. Please, Dad. No. He'll have to get a job. That's slug. Certainly collect donuts. Right, old slug. You, you old bat. On an all-new Simpsons Thursday. Ow. Hot enough for you. Welcome to the break, everybody. It's Henry Gilbert. And a big, big thank you to our guest this week, Dan Housen, the superstar professional wrestler and all-around amazing internet personality. You guys should all be following Dan Housen, whether it is checking out his YouTube channel, following him on Twitter, or seeing him wherever he is wrestling. Please check out Love That Dan Housen, both on Patreon and on YouTube. And if you enjoy this podcast, you should definitely check out our own Patreon, patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons, because not only do you go there to get every episode of this podcast a week ahead of time and without ads like this one, but you also get a ton of exclusive podcasts only for patrons. Just last month, we finished our 10 favorite episodes of Batman, the animated series. You could listen to our chat there. And every month, you now get a new episode of Talking Futurama and a new episode of Talking king of the hill where we cover both of those shows one episode a month at a time as in depth as we cover the simpsons you don't want to miss out on that and the giant back catalog of over 100 exclusive patreon miniseries covering shows like the critic and mission hill as well all at your fingertips for five bucks a month at patreon.com slash talking simpsons But if you want something even better than a Carl Ustremski baseball card, you should sign up at that $10 level at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. Those premium podcasts await you at the $10 level because me and Bob each month, in addition to all the other cool stuff you get at the premium level, you get access to our monthly What a Cartoon movie podcast where we go super in depth into an animated feature film, just like we do with The Simpsons. 
this month. If you sign up, you'll get to hear us talk about The Lion King 2, Simba's Pride. And at the end of the month, you'll hear us talk about South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut, the 1999 feature film. And there's a giant back catalog over three years worth, I'd say over 200 hours of them, of what a cartoon movie podcast at your fingertips, all available to you. If you sign up at that $10 level, plus you get all the $5 stuff I just mentioned. Check out everything you are missing out on at patreon.com slash talking simpsons. And Radioactive Man is really a season one idea that uh, it was not used as much as they planned on it because uh, the joke was Bart's two heroes were Krusty and Radioactive Man who look just like Homer. Yes. And Homer is the Radioactive Man. Mm-hmm. But Homer is obviously not Bart's hero, even though Marge says that a few times in older episodes. Forget about that. Forget about that. Uh, I don't think he'll really be used again until season seven's Radioactive Man when it's a parody of the making of Waterworld and other famous flops. I think so, yeah. It's almost like a radio Active man, he's jingle all the way. <laughs> yes, yeah, he's tur. You're right, jingle all the way. Ripped off this radioactive hey. man. Uh, it, yeah, yeah, radioactive man is like it's the scene of it, and he's way off model. But that's because it's the second episode of Simpsons. Everything's off model. But in Bart the Genius, Bart pulls a comic book down in his new smart class, and his smart teacher's like, "Oh, we've had this for studying remedial reading or something." And but that's a radioactive man comic on the cover. But everything else of radioactive man from this episode is built out including a very famous sidekick whose name became a popular Oof. band's name we'll yes. talk about it yeah and uh, and i guess last bit of preamble before we get into the episode is that uh they mentioned that this was the first time they defeated the cosby show in the ratings yes they beat, oh, by i looked it up it was 12.9 versus 12.8 and it was a rerun of the cosby show yeah. because yeah. the season finale of the cosby show was the previous week go back to uh bart gets an a yes and we learned in that episode that they moved the show from Sunday to Thursday to beat the Cosby show. So it went from being like in the top 10 to being in the 30s mm-hmm. just because of that move and that attempt to dethrone Cosby. It really should have just stayed on Sunday. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, and also uh, funny enough, when this episode reran, it was the night in 92 when the final episode of the Cosby show aired and they recorded like a uh, farewell or like, uh, right. like, oh, hey, the show's over kind of thing. But you know what? I don't want to talk more about that guy. Anyway, um, this is also uh, directed by Wes Archer his last one for the season and I we've interviewed him before but now my next question to him is were you told to stop doing twister mouths and that's why in this episode you did five twister mouths I think there's like, four in the first act I, it's it's uh, and I love it I love every twister every single one of them every time I say twister mouth I try to do it with my own head I know it doesn't impossible. work you'll, you'll kill yourself if you do it <laughs> you'll need extensive now what is this uh, twister mouth what does this mean oh it's like uh, when Bart says uh, fine establishment like crusty burger and his mouth goes one way and his eyes go the other way yeah i think the jaw stays in one position but the rest of the head turns yes yeah Yeah. just an easy way of uh, animating only the mouth 
<laughs> well, it's, it's a fun little thing of just like an emphasis move. It's Wes Archer had been doing it since the Simpsons shorts, like his very the, the second Simpsons short mm-hmm. uh, in 87. He does this twister mouth and uh, Archer's not on the commentary, but the other uh, people are like, boy, that's a lot of twisters. <laughs> huh? We told him to he was only allowed to do one per episode until I, we fully phased him out. I actually checked because this episode is so front loaded with twister mouths. I was like, who did the storyboards? Who did the storyboards for the first act? And it's not Wes Archer. It's Peter oh. Avanzino. But I bet Wes was adding them in. I bet. Like, you. make the head twist on yeah. this line. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps he knew it was his last one. So he had to get uh, three more in. <laughs> yeah. he uh, Wes Archer sort of quit the show for a time. He quit at the end of season two and comes back in the back half of season three. It uh, sounded like he, you know, was in a better mood than that when he returned. I don't think he was having a great time on season two. But uh, now, I mean, and now he's like, you know, Mr. Rick and Morty. He's Wes Archer series seriously is one of the greatest directors simpsons ever had he's uh so many great episodes of simpsons and then left to be the supervising director on king of the hill and has been like the i think top director one of the top directors on rick and morty uh since the beginning of rick and morty so wes wes archer's been everywhere quite a resume yeah (laughs) and one final preamble thing is that this episode's title obviously based on the movie three men and a baby uh it's pretty much forgotten now there was a sequel that came out uh, the previous uh, winter when this episode was new, but it was the number fourth highest grossing movie in 1987, directed by, directed by uh, Leonard Nimoy. Wow. And between 1987 and maybe 1992, there's about 35 episode titles of all TV <laughs> named Three Blanks and a Blank. Mm-hmm. It was just a very easy formula for you to write an episode. Now in this Three Men and a Baby, they pay $100 to split a baby? <laughs> <laughs> it, it, was, it was the retelling of the story of Solomon, they yes. They a baby together we can't share which is why it's a different baby in the sequel (laughs) oh okay Uh, and yeah also a funny bit on the commentary for this one to mark it in time they recorded this commentary the same day they did the table read for season 13's old man and the key Mm. because they mentioned that they're like oh this was there's a bronson voiced character and they're like oh this is the same day we did uh recording or our table read for the episode where they go to bronson missouri where everybody talks like charles bronson and that is season 13's old man and the key look forward to that one i would guess next year on Mm -hmm. talking simpsons coming up coming up right next year yeah, right around the corner. <laughs> or I guess, no, this year. This year, I'm yes. So sorry. Oh, yes. Whoops. Yeah. But they, they, we're recording this in 2022. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Everything is on time. Dan Housen does the same thing with his uh, Patreon shows. He pretends he films them day of, but films them sometimes month in advance. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and yeah, you know, uh, Dan Housen, also, as, as you're a bit of a collector, did you get the Simpsons DVDs? Were you a collector of those as well? Oh, yeah, so much so that uh, usually during Black Friday, uh, Dan Housie would rebuy them because he'd get them ruined from watching them so much. Wow. <laughs> or he just did not take care of them right away and then decided he had to rebuy them. Those cases are flimsy sometimes. They can get beat up. Oh, he hated the, uh, what was it, season six with the first bubble case. Oh, yes. Yep. Uh, the worst. <laughs> That's but... the only one they had at the time, and it was menacing. Mm-hmm. No, I well, I'm extra sad that like I actually I had the good case, the one you had to order through the website, and then in my last move, I like lost it. It's just gone, and I'm I'm very sad about that. I have to say, even if you dislike the head cases, they are chock full of heady goodness. In that, they survive maybe eight between eight to ten moves of mine. That's true. They are rock solid. Meanwhile, I have all these sun bleached ones from my my old collection of of the of the paper cases. <laughs> 
Yes, paper cases. They get ripped randomly, and they just... They you know. they arrive ripped. Yes. They arrive pre-ripped. In the case of my Futurama ones, I just ordered. Um, Stenhausen just got the Futuramas on uh, DVD, and then he found that they're on at least Canadian Disney+. Plus. Oh, yeah, they're they're on Hulu in America still, but you can't get those, those DVD commentaries. That's really where it's at. Yeah, that's why I can't believe they still, uh, you know, the Simpsons had the commentaries on Simpsons World. And then when it went to Disney Plus, they took the commentaries back away again. Put the commentaries back on or be cursed, Disney. <laughs> yes, yes, I agree. Uh, we'll curse Disney. We'll do that for Bob. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> they deserve it anyways. So, uh, yes, uh, we start the episode with the characters. Uh, Marge is driving the kids to the comic shop. And uh, Bart and Lisa, it's something, too, that feels very, like, old. I, I In the 90s, my mom was escorting me around a comic convention. They, I was not dumped at the front door. But like, all right, it's Ian three hours. Walk around a convention. But yes, now, Danhausen, are we getting into the episode just oh, now? Oh, sure, yes. sure. So Danhausen has a request as to not frighten your uh, longtime listeners. Now that they've gotten to know Danhausen a bit and have vomited in terror, we shall uh, utilize uh, this voice-changing technology if it is okay. Sure. Uh, mm-hmm. Now that way Danhausen can pretend to be human for the rest of uh, Well, he is human, but you know, whatever. We'll edit this out with CGI. Yes. Uh, uh, utilize that so that way Danhausen can have a regular human conversation with you. Okay, that yeah, that's a good idea, Danhausen. Oh yes, yes. Hit the button now. All right, I hit it. Uh, oh, okay. Danhausen didn't hear a noise, but that's fine. Trust you. <laughs> that dongle cost us about ten thousand dollars, but uh, our patrons are very generous. Oh yes. Ah uh, yes, the Patreon exclusive. Uh, but hey, well, welcome, Danhausen, yes. again. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, but yeah, well, uh, you know, now that we're talking uh, about the conventions, uh, like, do you remember your first as a kid, and now you've done conventions on the other side of the table, and so, like, how, how has that changed for you? Yeah, it's weird. So uh, I don't remember my specific first, first convention of, like, what year it was, but it was definitely uh, Motor City Comic Con in Detroit, mm. um, where I'd go to that every single year uh, with my dad. And I remember there being, like, a table of a ton of free stuff. Mm. And it was, like, it was like actual good free stuff, too. It was, like, keychains and, like, uh, posters and, like, full-on movie posters and everything. Oh, and nice. Now when you go, they definitely don't have any of that. Um, <laughs> it's just, like, little pamphlets, probably. And business cards. But yeah, I would go to those and just kind of like we, we didn't really have too much money, so I wouldn't necessarily meet celebrities or anything. But like I'd get a toy here and there. Like if somebody was doing free photo ops, like I remember meeting Mike TV. Oh, um, that's cool. Like, yeah, uh, he was cool. He was eating a sandwich, but I remember <laughs> taking a photo with him. But yeah, no, I don't I don't have any specific year that I can remember offhand. But I just remember going every single year and also pretending that I was seven because I think it was like seven and under was free for a long time. Ah, uh, I think I was seven for about three years after <laughs> I was uh, actually not seven anymore. And I'm a college student. <laughs> yeah, I, I went to a few in my low rent town. They were very low rent affairs. It was basically what you see in this episode, but no one was in costumes. Mm. And one of the reasons why I never got into the Marvel and DC stuff is because they would always be number 5,000, number 8,000. <laughs> I collected Image Comics because I would start like oh i found this new comic in the 20s i could actually buy the first issue mm-hmm. i can find and buy it so i can actually find out what happens this is a pre everything being accounted for on wikis yeah that's my problem with collecting comics now is i'm on the road so much that when i go back to like if i finally see something I'm like oh this is interesting i'm like oh issue one is sold out and i'm not gonna be able to find it so <laughs> yeah no i i understand that that pain uh, to, to me as a kid the the way
way Bart talks about these old comics and says like, oh, this is like blank and blank. Like I loved that I could say, oh, well, hey, that's Venom. But did you know that Venom, the costume first appeared in Amazing Spider-Man 252? But of course, some people call Secret Wars number eight the first appearance of the symbiote suit because that's when it first attached to him. And having that information cataloged in my brain in a pre-internet time, I, I enjoyed that and being able to like that when Nelson and Bart are just saying facts about comic books to mm-hmm. each other like that was my experience like oh this is how I make friends we both say like oh do you know this comic book fact because I know this comic book fact wait I remember when as I got older and I would go by myself to like have a pull box and everything uh I would stay in the comic shop for like two hours and just talk about comics with the guy mm-hmm. well now you've you have been uh you've you've done cons now a few a, a handful yeah. of cons which is uh weird to be on the other side uh by now it'll have been done but i'm doing new york city comic-con or oh. new york comic yeah uh, nycc so, yeah 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 so i was like that'll be interesting uh that's the first like huge one that i'm doing um or did uh <laughs> and um yeah no it's been uh cool to do these just comic store appearances and those are some of my favorite things to do now traveling for those and just seeing these shops and just meeting people who have like the intersecting interest in wrestling and comics and toys, mm-hmm. which has been a big crossover lately. <laughs> yeah. And cosplay even. Now people are cosplaying as me. Uh, it's hmm. uh, it's the most sincere form of flattery, I think. The co- <laughs> yeah. Especially knowing how long it takes them to look like me. <laughs> um, hours. It, uh, it's, yeah, I, uh, it, it looks, it's quite, it's quite a good look for, for old Dan Housen. I know Dan Housen always looks that way, but. Uh, <laughs> yes, <it's>, always. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> takes about 10 minutes to get ready put a sweater on uh but uh but yes the in our first clip here lisa and bart are comparing comics which also this feels like ripped straight from matt Groening's childhood mm-hmm. i think like i i would guess him and his actual sister lisa had these exact conversations here hey mom if we don't get to the convention soon all the good comics will be gone uh, what do you care about good comics all you ever buy is casper the wimpy ghost I think it's sad that you equate friendliness with wimpiness, and I hope it'll keep you from ever achieving true popularity. Well, you know what I think? I think Casper's the ghost of Richie Rich. (laughs) Hey, they do look alike. I wonder how Richie died. Perhaps he realized how hollow the pursuit of money is and took his own life. Kids, could you lighten up a little? Now, Radioactive Man, he rules. Never punches a bad guy without saying something cool. He's no wittier than the next superhero. Oh, yeah? Look, he knocks the guy into the sun and says, Hot enough for ya? <laughs> I stand corrected. <laughs> I like that for Lisa, hot enough for you is proof like, see, pretty great joke, right? It's And it really is no, no. Spider-Man has much better quips than that. <laughs> also, Radioactive Man is a murderer. Yeah, he is, yeah. That's true. That man was not put on trial. <laughs> uh, <laughs> He's uh, punching people into the sun. Yeah, it's. Uh, I guess that also shows you that, well, that's one of the funniest things in the uh, the Radioactive Man comics, too, is that the, the joke of them is that it's written as a right-wing reactionary comic that instead of, mm. like, when they do, for example, in the 70s, there was the Green Lantern, Green Arrow comics, which were the total opposite, which were about, like, you know, Green Arrow's like, hey, Green Lantern, you need to care about what's happening in America, man. And it's, you know, it's, it's very left-wing for the time and when they parody it in the comic it's about how all hippies are evil and it's all like a communist conspiracy (laughs) so that's that's another thing i love about the uh the the 
radioactive man comic books and uh legally they can get away with showing casper and richie rich in their original forms because they don't show the full titles of the comics they're obscured Uh, if you remember when uh, this is just one example when comic book guy is showing off the uh, mcdonald's coloring book with the hamburglar or sorry i think it's a hamburglar comic yes his thumb is covering up the h so it just says amburglar right so i guess you can show the character but not show the trademarked logo that's weird yeah (laughs) they i'm sure uh anton klebenau or whatever anatole klebenau was looking over that their lawyer yeah <laughs> we know the name getting of their ready. lawyer oh sorry dan hasn't oh no i was just saying getting ready to sue yes, yes. yeah the harvey people <laughs> the harvey they're I, very I, litigious i mean if uh, hey the, if they were able to successfully sue fox 20th century fox that'd be one of the biggest paychecks like the harvey company ever got but the, i uh, the first twister of the episode is on bart saying casper the wimpy ghost mm-hmm. I, I counted every twister but this this definitely feels like how uh you know little boys would tell their sister that their comics suck because they read the, the comics uh, about like jokes and friends and everything not about you know guys in costumes punching each other like how uh, obviously bart is wrong to judge comics as crappy because his sister likes them but it's very accurate to how mm-hmm. the little boys back then thought i i would hope little boys are a little more open to not thinking that like just because your sister reads a comic it's a bad comic book i remember these being on like a comic rack specifically like anything like casper anything i just thought of them i didn't think of them as girl comics i just thought of them as like little kid comics yes yeah but also i think the simpsons might have been on that rack so yeah well, the the niche Simpsons found, and I wish those existed. When I was like seven, if there were Simpson comics, I would have bought them happily. Like in those, the Simpson comics, despite Simpsons as a TV show being for older, like, uh, you know, people 12 and up, I'd say the comics were more written for like uh, ages like eight to 12. Yeah. That's why when uh, I was in my 20s and uh, Scholastic started reprinting the comic Bone, I was offended. I thought, that is not a child's comic. I read it when I was 12, but still, it's a a very mature story. Uh, and yeah I mean also the joke what a great dark joke to start the episode with at least is like oh I bet Richie Rich killed himself yeah. after he realized the pursuit of money is empty <laughs> like oh what a dark uh, I, I have used that Marge could you lighten up a little a few yeah, times as a I, meme I've seen that yeah <laughs> I, I've seen it appear in the Talking Simpsons Discord when any when any bit of conversation uh, in one of the pages gets a little too dark or depressing yeah. I've, I've seen people share like kids could you lighten up a little <laughs> just drop a quick Marge yes yeah so they head off to the convention uh march just dumps them at the front door again feels very uh 70s to me i think that was a joke i got for the first time where she says we're here and then she drives off it's just so fast and <laughs> on the way i noticed for the first time as well they pass uh bob's rv roundup oh the, i missed that wow. the rv place from season one oh, that's with cool. that freakish character never to be seen again <laughs> yes the, or maybe he was the simpsons first bob yes yeah they get dropped off full price admission is eight dollars I was just seeing a one-day pass to that New York Comic Con, sixty bucks. Hmm. So yeah, a little bit different. A little different, yeah. And, that, <laughs> and I don't think there's a discount if you dress as a cartoon character. No, because I I feel like that's like half of the people there. Like that. Yeah, everybody does cosplay now. It's way different. Yeah, I I think you know I've seen uh, some of my favorite stuff I ever see on Twitter shared is like photos from like 80s conventions like wow look at that cosplay in a pre-internet era uh but i don't feel like the first conventions i recall going to in in uh orlando florida they definitely did not uh i don't remember a ton of people dressing up there were some but i uh, not uh, hardly that many i think i remember uh we talked about it a little bit earlier but in wizard didn't they have a section of um cosplay? oh yeah 
and they do contests and I think give away like a, a statue or a toy or something. Now the funny thing at conventions is just to find like, if you see somebody who's like just the Joker or just uh, Deadpool, that's kind of boring. Like everybody is a cross, is a mashup costume now. <laughs> like, they're like, oh, I'm Deadpool if I was if I was a pro wrestler. I'm Deadpool, but Macho Man or whatever. Uh, I did see one that I liked. It was um, it was Galactus, but in the morning. So he had a robe on and he had coffee. Oh, that's good. That's, I, that's fun because I love Galactus. So <laughs> it was a nice visual. I, I remember a very brave man uh, who, you know, uh, not he didn't have the body of Namor, but he was wearing Namor's costume, which <laughs> mm. was just green Speedos and a trident. Oh, good. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we have a lot of big debuts in this episode. The most boring debut in this episode is that of the Springfield Convention Center. Oh, yeah. Which will go here. All it'll time. come back like 15 times. That's right. So, yes. <laughs> Uh, is that where they do the candy convention? It as is, well? yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, the candy convention. The uh, the Bymon Sci-Fi Con was there for yep. for the better. Well, it shows you this. This is something you can see how comic conventions grew just in the '90s because this joke here is about. I would. They joke on the commentary. They're like, "Oh, this was easy for us producers to write because we've all been to comic cons." And I would bet this is like, "Oh, this is what." Uh, especially because they're in Los Angeles. I would bet at least one of the producers on this episode had gone to san diego comic-con the previous year and san diego you know is the biggest uh well when it happens again it uh, it, it was the most giant con i've ever been to but you see pictures from like the 89 one and i mean it's you know it's not like dinky it doesn't look exactly like this does but it was certainly much smaller scale oh yeah yeah everything is way bigger now as far as comic-con goes because like you're saying earlier bob is just like it's it wasn't as popular like mm. you were like you were thought of as actual dorks and yeah. now, like it's everybody is a dork now and it's cool <laughs> and they were about comics it wasn't like come to comic-com and meet like cw stars yes yeah <laughs> it was uh no go here and buy comics yeah. and perhaps meet you know uh stanley or something yeah it was special to me i wish more wrestlers were showing up at cons when i was a kid i think it was in the attitude era uh like 99 or so when i went to a, a mega con i was like oh hey wow look uh china's here or, or mankind is here but uh like in my first cons in like 93 I was not seeing, you know, like the Steiner brothers. They didn't appear at Comic-Cons. No, I think I remember uh, Kmart had Bret Hart at it one time. So I went and met Bret Hart at Kmart. Uh, Bret Hart Kmart. That's nice. I, met I think it was supposed to be Sting, and then he uh, got pulled, and then Bret Hart was the replacement. So I, I met the Bushwhackers when we were buying fireworks. That's <laughs> uh, so you can't. They were just there independently. Yes, uh, they were in line with us. No, no, there was a little booth. That's cool. and I was afraid they would lick me, so I, uh, I kept my distance. Danger. <laughs> That's uh, you know you can't do that. They wouldn't do that one now. You know, Hang Hangman Page was drinking people's beers right up before lockdown, and he had to put out a press release like, "I do not like drink beers anymore. <laughs> I will not drink your beer." <laughs> yeah. Uh, you you meanwhile like uh, Danhausen, you feed teeth to people in a very hygienic way. Mm -hmm. This is true. It's uh, they're all sterilized and clean and uh, prepped in a you know sterile jar mm -hmm. yeah. for each individual opponent. <laughs> uh, but yes, they they arrive at the convention. Bart decides he is going to dress up to try to get a discount, and he dresses up as Bartman, which Bartman, I was already a huge fan. When I saw Bartman in this episode, I was like, my favorite character, Bartman, yay! Rarely acknowledged by the show, by the way. I think his own, he has like two other appearances. His next one will be 16 years later yes. in the episode, uh, Revenge is a Dish Best Served Three Times, 
Treehouse of Horror style episode in which it is three stories about revenge. One of them is a Bartman segment. Ah, right, right. But right. I think that's the only time. <laughs> def- oh, sorry, Dan Housen. Go ahead. No, I was just saying, I don't know if I've seen that one. What season was that in? That is season, let's see, that's season uh, 18. Wow. Oh, okay, yes, I definitely have not seen Yeah. That. So that's the one time the fictional Bartman was portrayed on the show. But mm-hmm. in case you're not as old as us, uh, Bartman <laughs> is a licensing character. Uh, he looks like he's a bootleg t-shirt, but he's not. It's officially it's official merchandise because Batman was so big. Mm-hmm. Bat and Bart are similar words. So what if uh, Bart was a Batman style character? And I think it was like Bartman Avenger of Evil. And it was him saying, watch it, dude, or something yes. like that. Yeah, I believe watch it, dude, was his, his catchphrase. And he's you could tell he was for marketing because he had the light blue shirt of a commercial Bart instead of uh, like he wears in this episode of the orange shirt. I was as a little kid, even I was like, he should be wearing his blue shirt when he comes out of there, not the orange shirt. Yeah, I remember being really confused because I saw Bartman's stuff everywhere and it was not really ever in the show. Well, and I had uh, I, I looked this up uh, toy wise. So definitely the Bartman shirts launched in 89. I would guess by fall of 89 in the lead up because there was a bunch of Simpsons merch ready for the premiere of the TV show. But then it really started rolling out as 90 continued. But so there was there was already the Bartman shirt and posters and stuff. Then in the 1990 Mattel line of, of Simpsons mm-hmm. toys, there was a Bartman figure among those, which I loved that Bartman figure. I played with him all the time. And then in the 91 arcade game that we covered, Bartman is his superhero invincibility, like fly-in animation yeah. as well. And the worst Simpsons NES game is uh, Bartman meets Radioactive Man, <laughs> which I, I think- don't think I played that one. Oh, uh, it's awful. And I believe it is a reskin Swamp Thing game they didn't release. Oh, right. right. So well, uh, it's real bad. Yeah. The only one I remember like playing over and over was Bart versus the Space Mutants, I think it was. And that one's tough enough as it is or yeah. not. It's like it's already not that great. And then each one they made after that, they're like, let's work a little less hard on these. <laughs> Even though yeah, I had one for Game Boy too, like a Treehouse of Horror. Oh yeah, the uh, there was the Bean Bart and the Beanstalk. Did you have that one? No, I didn't have that one. Uh, I can't remember which one I had. I think it was in a clear black case. Ah, uh, okay. Game Boy Color. Uh, if it was GBC, I wasn't playing those as much. But the I will say the cover art for all of those first run ba- uh, ba- Bart games by Bill Morrison were great, and yeah. that includes the like amazing cover. I love the cover to Bart Man versus Radioactive Man. Meets. Oh, they yeah. don't fight. They meet. They meet. Yes. I would go collect those, no problem, but I wouldn't play those. Like, yeah. they look great. Uh, well, now, man, you talk about, you, you'd probably have a much cheaper deal buying a Bartman Mattel toy than trying to buy. The, the NES uh, arcade uh, classics market has really gone up in, yeah. uh, over the last Even year. for things no one should ever play again. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't looked those up, so I'm not sure. I, I avoided the uh, arcade cabinet. I almost bought it. Uh, you know, uh, I, you're, you're talking to a proud owner. Uh, yeah, yes. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> Uh, it's it's uh, by the time people are listening to this, I'm sure it's set up in my house right now, or or I'm waiting to just like uh, I'll I'll build it when I move. It'll stay in a box in my closet for that. You know, I'll say right now, it is a uh, buyer's market for Bartman meets Radioactive Man for the NES. A really? loose a loose cart is uh, thirty bucks, oh, around okay. thirty bucks, and I mean you know complete in box uh, around one hundred and fifty, but still that's kind of on the lower end for a game of that vintage. Oh sure, complete. 
That's a, you know what? You've, you're selling me on this, Bob. Well, I, I really hope I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> me and Dan Housen are going to go on an eBay. Like, we'll be bidding it up higher and higher on eBay against each other. <laughs> yes. That way we both lose. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yes, Bart then presents himself as I'm Bartman in the same kind of shot as Michael Keaton saying I'm Batman to the thug at the start of that movie. Uh, but the guy doesn't buy it and Bart go, has to pay the full price. Great design on the like this just small collection of cluttered tables mm-hmm. with just like junk everywhere. No rhyme or reason to it. Like, I, I also like Lisa's uh, very vintage but meta joke. Too bad we didn't come dressed as popular cartoon characters. That's great. I <laughs> I love any jokes about their like brief time. Their brief time of super popularity i i do like that and and uh, yes as they arrive that's when uh old uh, mayor quimby is is greeting everybody and like this this seems you know this is treated as a joke of like oh the mayor cares so much about 300 dollars to the local economy but like the local governments of like anaheim chicago san diego they really do mm-hmm. especially like san diego they never want san diego comic-con to leave like they have changed laws they have uh given tax write-offs they want san diego comic-con to stay there forever because uh every time they're about to leave i've seen this happen like twice in my lifetime where the rumors are like san diego might go to anaheim and anaheim is like rolling out the red carpet saying we built a brand new convention center for you way better than the one in san diego come on (laughs) down and san diego's like please no don't don't leave us and i would have been that nerdy kid correcting the uh the mayor when he gets that name wrong Oh, yeah. Uh, I wrote down it's very similar to uh, what is it? Nelson in class during the radiation uh, radioactive man episode. Oh, yes. Where yeah. Yeah. Called- Asian man and I, strange I shouldn't have been able to hear that yeah <laughs> a better version of that oh. I was like this Mayor Quimby joke is a very uh Principal Skinner-esque like he could have been in there uh instead to but it, it had to be Mayor Quimby but it yeah. would have made sense for Skinner to be the person presenting it but in this in this case with Quimby you get a joke about political reprisals like yeah. he's, he's planning something bad to happen to old Jimbo for he's, humiliating he's gonna him. put a boot on Jimbo's dad's car yeah. or something <laughs> Uh, also, they, since they say it twice in this episode, I think this is why, even as a kid, I said, I stand corrected. If somebody <laughs> ever corrected me on something, I just say, I stand corrected. And also, a real funny bit here about the Shriners, like, I haven't had cons that have to end early, but definitely, I, in the 90s, and even to, uh, like, a month ago, when I went to AEW Fan Fest, the interesting thing is, is that these conventions, at convention centers, they're so big, they have to share space with other cons and so like i remember i've been to a con where there's like a medical equipment expo going on or a beauty pageant going on or a kids karate tournament and so here you are you know you dressed in your finest nerdy clothes carrying your bag full of toys oh yeah you're walking by like a family with their kid in a karate uniform and they're it's the, just so the, weird the best one for me was i went to a final fantasy 14 convention for my job and it was sharing space with a bridal convention so there are women walking around in these like extravagant gowns while there are cosplayers just surrounding them that's the dream mm-hmm. yeah i do I'm like sure that's exactly what they had envisioned and i think like whenever uh there's the portland retro gaming expo which i love and have not been to in like three years uh they usually share space with a dental convention in the same area <laughs> 
so I just love these clashing of cultures and these men, these finely dressed men around all these nerds in like t-shirts and cargo shorts. Oh yeah. Now I uh, another one of my favorites was going to the California Extreme Arcade Convention in San Jose, and uh, it was sharing the space at a at a hotel, you know, convention center with what seemed to be just like a very big and expensive wedding, and so it was all these people in their like you know finest uh, outfits for this wedding, <laughs> having to walk around just again guys in their cargo shirts wearing like, cargo shorts wearing a like a Cubert T-shirt, eat, drinking a very expensive uh, hotel beer. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh- Real quick segue, I just got back from the California Universal Studios. Yes. And Mm -hmm. because my wife has never been. I've been to the Florida one, which I also didn't realize was way bigger. But the Moe's Tavern, she insisted we get two beers. Mm. She's like, you love the Simpsons. She's like, we have to get them. I was like, we really don't. Uh, $45 for two of them. Yep, yep, yep. And you know what? Um, She she decided to get us the souvenir cups. And we're mm. like, oh, that must be why it costs so much. Nope, those are three dollars a piece. The beer was what cost so much. Yeah, uh, I, I have to say that uh, the Moe's disappointed me there. I want it to be adults only. I want it to be like the Star Wars Cantina. I wish whenever yes. they have to make that a Disneyland thing, if they ever move it out of Universal, you should make Moe's a appointment based exhibit. You go to, you mm-hmm. sit down, you ha- you can get actual beer out of glasses. Yeah. And the Moe there has to like insult you and even can, like pull out a fake shotgun and point <laughs> yeah. it at you. Yeah, yeah, because we did the Cantina as well, and it was totally different. Uh, but also the didn't even have a flaming mo i California we, one. that flaming yeah no the florida flaming mo it's like it's not purple it's it is on fire it's non-alcoholic like there's yeah. i've seen so much in uh at universal it's never on the level of the quality of, of a disney thing but the simpsons yeah. one at least takes it like an extra level higher there's that's why i'm like oh you're so close like i saw you you went to the the crusty secret room in the hollywood one and that yep. like that gabbo there is so great like i was like I can't why can't these gabos like I want the dedication that's on this gabo everywhere mm-hmm. in the place yes uh, I also want them to just sell me the stuffed animals that they have at the games yeah yeah like play, do I have to try to I, yeah. I just gave up on one I was like I really want this uh Springfield isotopes baseball but just I've spent ten dollars can you just give me yeah. it Come but that's on. part of me where I do hope Disney gets it because they go like a thousand percent all in on everything mm. uh, where I'm like if we get the Disney version of the Simpsons land. I think I'll get exactly what I want, but mm. also it'll probably just take forever. I say uh, bulldoze Autopia and then put in Simpsons World of Disney. I agree. I agree. Nothing of value will be lost. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would have said Toontown, but Toon, they barely already have plans for Toontown mm-hmm. uh, to destroy it. But yes, uh, so uh, they have a cute little scene of a lost and found, which is just naming nor- dorky things. Uh, then they have a uh, portfolio review section, very accurate even then to uh what was that cons uh jolly jack tate a parody of jolly jack kirby one of jack kirby's if you were a if you were a kid growing up reading jack kirby you knew him as jolly jack kirby for me he was always jack the king kirby like that's what everybody called him then but yeah, i think i only know of him as the king uh i went to cons when jack kirby was alive sadly i never got to meet him i did get to meet jubilant john ramita though and he was he was very <laughs> friendly he's well really steve Ditko is the jack kirby is spider-man but John Romita is right after him and he's pretty much the second most important Spider-Man artist I'd say some some yeah. could argue Todd McFarlane's the second most important but I, I'd say John Romita 
Like, yeah, I think I agree with that. The Spider-Man that's in the MCU right now, his mask design is the John Romita Spider-Man face. Like that's that's who it is. And he was very friendly. That John Romita. He was not. He was not surly like jo- Jolly Jack Tate is hmm. here, just shaking his head and be like. Ah, I think his sucks. nickname is ironic. <laughs> and boy, Otto has a flair for the artistic side, doesn't he? Remember yeah. uh, in Old Money when he had his uh, design for what he wanted to turn the bus into? Yeah, his amazing Ratfink design. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they lost that he loves drawing like stoner art like all this all the art that stoners of the 70s love like Otto was super into that they just they kind of drop that when they're just like ah he's he's just a guy who likes being high and uh 80s metal like that's what he likes <laughs> Uh, but yeah, his his uh, design is very much based on Frank Frazetta. And also, that was the other reason I had out my Simpsons comics here. I was showing uh, Bob earlier, but they they did a Busman uh, mini-comic within it uh, in issue four. Uh, you can actually see what a Busman comic in-universe would look like. If you <laughs> p- pick up Simpsons Comics number four from 1994. Gotta promote those new comics coming out. <laughs> <laughs> actually, boy, I think that even the collections are out of print now, so you're gonna have to get that on ebay i think but uh bart just flies into frame of uh, comic book style as well which that feels like a real uh, uh flourish by the animators not really like something the script said and bart flies into frame like he's batman we hear whooshing sounds it has a little noise like a, a, a swoosh yes mm-hmm uh and yeah but uh auto they leave him behind because they're going to get to meet fallout boy buddy hodges which uh this also was the you know the thing back then of the low rentness of it like now you know well and by now i mean for the last 20 years it's the big deal of like here's like you know the most famous actor in the world they showed up to comic con mm-hmm. like i uh, uh, but back then it's like oh you only get to see uh, say you know Bob Denver in his in his fifties talking wearing the Gilligan costume or whatever. And this line about him uh, possibly being killed in Vietnam is a reference to the urban legend about uh, Jerry Mathers who played the Beaver ah. on Leave It to Beaver, in which he disappeared from acting and people assume that he had a tragic life, but he was in the Air Force Reserves. Okay. Uh, they wouldn't send him to Vietnam because it would look bad if they killed the Beaver. <laughs> so he was only in the reserves. I think what happened was there's lots of apocalypse stories about why people believe this mm. but uh he appeared at an award ceremony in an air force uh, get up with his shaved head ah. so people thought oh he must be in the service he's, he's he shipping could, out yeah and then we didn't hear about him after so he's dead and i think when they would announce like the names of dead soldiers there was there was a jay mathers who was killed and people assumed oh that's jerry mathers and, wow. and word spread there's lots of different origin stories for this myth but it was believed to the point that when he started showing up in things again in the late 80s and early 90s they would make the joke i know that on married with children when he appeared that was the first joke they made oh that's great yeah oh right i forgot that yeah he's in the supermarket sweep how could you forget trivia about leave it to beaver henry (laughs) what's wrong with you see i have all this comic book trivia in my head it shoved out the leave it to beaver stuff i don't have space for i yeah all my comic book and wrestling trivia trivia there's no room for leave it to beaver which is really the important one yeah (laughs) but yes it is the first appearance of fallout boy jeff martin mentioned in our interview that he thinks probably the biggest pop culture impact he's had in his life is coming up with the name of fallout boy which he just tossed off of like well who's the robin to radioactive man you know Mm. nuclear fallout fallout boy there easy i have the story behind that too if you want to hear it so fallout boy spells their name incorrectly they spell fallout as two words Mm -hmm. when it's one they had a list of potential names they wanted to name their band and uh friends of theirs voted on fallout boy but at a show pete wentz introduced the band as something else they forget what it was but it was a very long name and someone (laughs) in the audience said fuck that you 
your fallout boy <laughs> and that's when it stuck so this super super z grade character on the simpsons became one of the most popular bands of the oos yes it's crazy did they ever get in trouble for that or anything happen with it you know maybe that space protects him from yeah. it yeah you're, you're right you know uh- Growing up, you know, there was the band Green Jelly. Like they were called Green Jello, and they had to stop calling themselves that. Like there's, there's been lots of bands where, like, oh, the Japanese band Puffy Ami Yumi, mm. they were called just Puffy in Japan, but they're like, man, there's already, you know, Puff Daddy or Puffy. Well, he has all these names. They can't just be Puffy in America, so they had to call themselves Puffy Ami Yumi. I don't, I don't know how Fallout Boy keeps getting away with it. You mm. know, I guess you know the the Arizona Isotopes. They did uh, ha- uh, have to make some deal or handshake deal with with the fox about that so maybe maybe the record executives were able to make some backroom deal for I, I bet it's the space i yeah. bet it's the legally distinct way that it's different than this character that's it just one minor difference yeah it's not fallout boy it's fall out boy mm-hmm. And I was just old enough to be uh, out of their demographic when they started hitting it big. So I have no uh, knowledge of the band uh, outside of uh, the guys married to Avril Lavigne, or is that not a thing anymore? Uh, boy, is he? I, I always what is this? Is this a star snoop? <laughs> oh, it was Ashley Simpson. One of them was married oh. to Ashley. Avril Lavigne was with the Sum 41 guy, right? Right, right, yeah. right. Or is? I, I Let us know in the comments. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. Tell us about Fallout Boy and how we're wrong. We we know pro wrestling and comic books and and leave it to Beaver. We don't know these like we don't know twenty year old pop music no, information. No. But yes, they uh they watch some original Fallout Boy and uh, as and he and out he comes for a Q and A. Ah, these Laramie cigarettes give me the steady nerves I need to combat evil. Gee Willikers, radioactive man. Wished I was old enough to smoke Laramie. Sorry, Fallout Boy. Not until you're 60. Look out! Will Radioactive Man act in time to save the Earth? (laughs) Well, wasn't that great? You know, kids, I'm sure we'd all like to remember actor Dirk Richter for his portrayal of Radioactive Man and not the sordid details of his final years. So let's keep the questions tasteful, okay? (laughs) Now, how about a big welcome for Buddy Fallout Boy Hodges? Any questions? When Radioactive Man got injected with shrinking serum in issue 234, how come his costume shrinks too? I am sure I don't know. But I did (laughs) just finish playing Rum Tum Tugger in the second national touring company of cats. Anybody see it? Oh, 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 over here. Oh, boy. Oh, oh, me, 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 me. Yes, you, the masked boy. Do you think the ghost of Dirk Richter haunts the bordello where his bullet-riddled body was found? (laughs) Dirk Richter was a beautiful man. Can't you little vultures leave him alone? I think that's the two flavors of Q&A questions you get. It's either yeah. an innocuous one, no actor would know the information to, or an incredibly like hurtful or deeply personal <laughs> question that's like, hey. Rude one. Yeah, an yeah. incredibly rude one. <laughs> but yes. that this presenter gives kids the ammo. He does. Yeah, it's true. He, You know what? He should have just pretended like, uh, because it's magical serum that touched his suit too. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I forgot that this is a, a parody of the Superman 50 show. Later when they'd show right Radioactive Man, they would have like a Batman 66 style parody, but yes. this is a parody of the George Reeves show, and the the idea of him dying in a very sordid way is also the George Reeves story as well. Yes, yeah, though though also Bob Crane a little yeah. bit too, I think, is mixed in there, which, well, watch the film Autofocus to, to learn all about that. That's a good movie, but I also love his wink to the camera when he says, not until you're 16, yeah. like, that's <laughs> so good. And also just the great gag that, like, this should not be shown to impressionable children in the 90s 
90s like this commercial for cigarettes but nobody cares and fallout boy does not say jiminy jillikers he says g willikers so i wish they had figured that out that early if only but and that g willikers second twister mouth of the episode and uh i was gonna say is it seems like uh there's a few times in this episode where it seems like they revisit it and redo the jokes later on uh like this q a section for the itchy and uh scratchy and poochy episode yes yeah (laughs) you know i think they'd gone through even more q a's the producers at this time and could plumb the depths even more of awkward questions they were asked yeah i feel like they had probably not done a comic convention at this point the guys but maybe by 97 or 96 they had done a comic con or something Mm, yeah oh sure or or just assigning it like golden apple comics Mm -hmm. in la and and gotten that kind of thing and i also i love what a great parody of a bad cliffhanger it is like look out the planet has exploded earth is blown up it's not that he's gonna save it in time it's (laughs) gone like it's exploded in half busy smoking cigarettes yeah (laughs) and of course back in 1991 not everybody knew about rum tum tugger the uh the curious cat of uh the cat show but of course now that the live action 2019 film was such a hit everybody knows him as the character played by jason derulo Mm. so yes (laughs) Uh, it's the pain of being old but uh, having lived through a decade of cats jokes when cats came back and people were acting like it was a new idea i was thinking i guess i guess i just have been alive longer but i remember all of these jokes from the 90s well you know the the cats live action movie is bad in ways the original broadway cats it couldn't be bad because it's technology made it worse yes yes Like the end of the movie is um, someone talk singing a song directly to camera and like for four minutes long. It's the weirdest, weirdest choice I've ever seen in a in a, in a uh, musical adaptation. Luckily, I avoided this. I did not watch this. You know, if you're looking for a fun uh, night with a spouse watching a bad thing, you could you could do worse than watching <laughs> uh, the cats. Okay. Well, maybe we'll put it on a list. Uh, but I also just love the response of, I'm sure I don't know. Like, that, that is so perfect. <laughs> uh, and so then we head over to the very realistic comic display case. And boy, oh boy, is this a first. He, one of the most famous characters of Simpsons. He And he's grown out of, like, just everybody says they know who this is based on. It's like, no, he's based on just the idea of a comic book guy and uh, here i'll play the clip first of his very first appearance hey radioactive man number 72 it's imaginary tale where radioactive man marries larva girl wow number nine that's before fallout boy became his ward tell you what i'll show you something very special if you promise to put your grubby little hand behind your back and keep in there behold Wow, radioactive man number one. I bet it's worth a million bucks. It is, my lad. I'll let you have it for a hundred because you remind me of me. Hmm. All I got is 30. Then you cannot have it. But I must. (laughs) Until this moment, I never knew why God put me on this earth, but now I know to buy that comic book. Your emotion is out of place here, son. So yeah, Comic Book Guy, the debut of Comic Book Guy. And uh, yes, he's an amalgam of every comic book store owner from this era. George Meyer cited one from Los Angeles, this uh, this comic book shop called Amok, A-M-O-K. Mm. And uh, George Meyer says, quote, uh, he often sat on his high stool, kind of lording over the store with that supercilious <laughs> attitude and eating behind the counter a big styrofoam container full of fried clams with a lot <laughs> of tartar sauce. Fried clams. That's so specifically like, I know he became like a burrito guy over time 
time and, the, and here he seems to be eating nachos fried clams is such a weird specific yeah. to eat of all things oh that's crazy i also i like that he's um being so condescending about a hundred dollar comic book yes yeah, which yeah. now is like not that expensive for something that's rare no no i why well, I, I love it's perfect comic book guy is exactly himself like comic book guy would grow to be a parody of the online complainers about the simpsons mm -hmm. but even in his first appearance he's just like he's both trying to show off to the kids but also telling them like keep your stupid mitts behind you like screw like don't you touch this like your greasy little paws off it like he's he's already mad at them but also also trying to sell them stuff so yeah, i think uh, he's oh. freaking kids yeah freaking kids. <laughs> his voice isn't quite where it needs to be but it will be there uh when he becomes a more regular character and yes uh he got his first episode all about him in season 12 with the worst episode ever mm -hmm. we would find out his name in season 16's uh, homer and ned's hail mary pass he is jeff albertson mm -hmm. and uh he no. has now become a wife and i'm uh, sorry he has now he now has a wife he has not become a wife yeah. and in a recent episode in season 32 the show explored his reluctance to become a father mm -hmm. so i can respect him because like me he married a japanese manga artist so we have a lot in common in there and i do enjoy burrito from time to time but that's where it ends that's uh yeah I, uh, that, that he's grown quite a lot over the years old comic book guy but here in his first appearance is just such a perfect like every everybody knew a comic book guy like this in the 90s i uh, you know now i think the uh maybe because of the popularity of this type of guy i think comic book store owners aren't this type of guy as much anymore at least in in my experience dan housing uh, i know you've gone all around to comic shops like there's there's not as many comic book guy types running comic shops these days no i think everybody realizes that they want to make money while running a comic book store so they're actually helpful and polite yeah yeah they're much more polite they're also like excited to do stuff and like the comic book guy character especially when everybody you know people like say when famous pro wrestlers come to your shop uh and film vlogs you can't be like a get out of here like or whatever well, <laughs> no but i've heard some some places are still like that so uh. you know of some where uh, uh ethan page tried going to that we're not really uh too excited about wanting him wanting to film so oh that's too bad Comic book guys still exist here and there we had one uh locally to me he was still helpful and nice but he definitely had a bit of the character portions <laughs> I well, uh, just like the attitude and the the demeanor I well I also think I've seen more comic shops uh well maybe it's just where we live in in Berkeley California but the local comic shop here like it used to be owned by a, a comic book guy type but then like he uh, new management came in and that management like even hired like a lot of women and not any non-binary folks who it was a much more diverse mm -hmm. store and, and also was a much more welcome store as well to you know that comic book guy is very unwelcoming to uh even his regular customers yeah. let alone uh, outsiders i think like uh, before online distribution and digital comics uh your specialty stores were your go-to places they were the only venue for these products mm -hmm. so you would have to interface with these rude jerks otherwise you could not buy the products mm -hmm. so they, yeah, they were yeah. literal gatekeepers mm -hmm. exactly yeah it's it's a lot like the uh in the film high fidelity for record shop owners 
is they're like we if you're coming here you're an addict and i can treat you however you want i want because you've got no other choice like i'm i'm your i'm your main supplier For, fortunately i think most comic shops do not uh, operate like that anymore maybe how ubiquitous comic book guy is as a negative stereotype maybe it pushed some people to be like well i don't want to be like that when i own my own comic shop yeah i mean hopefully because it's a good way to just ruin everything for like especially like kids coming in and trying to find something new to gravitate towards and then you have someone like that Mm -hmm. who just like who judge your purchases and say like that comic sucks that sucks like yeah like well you ordered it it's your store yeah (laughs) (laughs) but let's talk about this price a hundred bucks for a radioactive man number one Mm -hmm. certainly seems low but it's a lot it is a i'm sure they wrote it to be an attainable price for bart simpson to own oh of course uh but i will say it's not as ridiculous as you might think for 1990 uh so i actually pulled up the overstreet comic price guide okay. from night for the 1989 to 1990 edition and so if you wanted a good quality of fantastic four which means a uh, fantastic four number one which means a little beat up you know some creases all that but not like you know half the comic is torn apart it's not like that bad but a good quality one of that in that price guide they say it's 160 dollars wow like if you if you wanted 1963's incredible hulk number one that it valued it at 100 dollars. so this obviously is a much better condition copy which would not be that would have gone for like three thousand dollars a night according to the overstreet price guide at the time but a hundred is not a crazy amount for then but then once the buyer's market really increased like after 92 by 93 i would think even those good quality ones are like two thousand bucks Yeah, so they weren't too far off. This was just me nowadays going, well, you know, what Amazing Fantasy is worth like $500,000 or something. Yeah, if, if the highest uh, an Amazing Fantasy 15 has ever gone for was $8 million. And that's because it's oh, okay, like, so I'm even way off. <laughs> well, this was like perfect mint. Like that was like as good, no better copy exists or ever will exist. Hmm. So that is like, uh, it's pretty much just name your price. Like certainly in five years or whatever when whoever bought that will maybe sell it to somebody else i would bet it goes for like 16 million it's just whatever somebody is going to pay for it there's no real price for it you know yeah it's worth what someone's willing to pay these days if uh if you go to ebay and you want or uh, a, a more official auctiony site like and you want an amazing fantasy 15 that is in not very good condition you're still paying twenty thousand dollars for it like like oh this is the ugliest amazing fantasy 15 <laughs> out there twenty thousand bucks <laughs> Uh, though I have my very valuable uh, Spider-Man 33 on the wall over there that uh, I think I think it was like 400 500 bucks uh, my husband got it for me very nice very, very nice very evil kid. <laughs> <laughs> that's the most valuable old comic I have Spider-Man 33 which is of course the famous scene of Spider-Man throwing the heavy stuff off of him one of the most famous Spidey pages ever but, oh yeah is it like the girders over top yes yeah that's yeah. the one yeah it's the, the cover says the final chapter is bob who's that's a lie yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
but it's basically like the series finale of the Ditko Stanley run. Like it was all he did like six more issues, but it really is like the wrap up of that story, pretty much. But uh, but yes, anyway, like I love how comic book guy even turns him down with like your emotion is out of place here, son. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so the kids get picked up. I like uh, that Lisa is bragging about how many comics she got for a dollar. Uh, though my mom actually, so I didn't know what Lois Lane, the comic series Lois Lane, Superman's girlfriend. I didn't know that when this first aired because it was out of print then. In the in the fifties to seventies, that was the girl comic that DC sold because it was about you know Superman stories, but from Lois Lane's perspective, and she'd like you know fight a witch or something. But <laughs> but it was my mom's favorite comic growing up, and so she was insulted at the <laughs> joke. Uh, jokingly, she was offended that they made a, a gag that no one would pay any money for for a bunch of Lois Lane comics. Though, of course, for me as a kid, the comics that were the cheapest were like uh, the quarter bin of Spider-Man that was like the Marvel Team-Up or Marvel 2-in-1s. Like, those are the ones that created the store owners were like i just had to, a, a quarter kid you can have it for me any co- any spider-man comic was worth its weight in gold like wow more spider-man comics oh, yeah at least i got 47 comics for a dollar pretty good deal yeah yeah i remember the quarter bin being like my go-to uh that's probably where i found all the morbius comics originally was probably oh, yeah. older views and then i was probably like oh well i'm caught up on these now i need to get you know the new ones <laughs> that's true you know Mar- morbius not that hot in the 90s you could get those for a song then yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you can go back and buy them now which they have well you know what those are going to be worth even more soon once that once that jared leto movie comes out of him as morbius it's oh uh, yeah the confusing timeline of that <laughs> yeah uh, it- i prefer lesbius <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and uh, then Homer then launches into a long rift about how horny he is for Wonder Woman, which I yeah. do like that. Yeah, Marge has to stop him from getting too horny in front of the family. <laughs> it's a very strange scene. So, did you kids have fun? Yeah, Mom. Guess what? For a dollar, a man told me 35 Caspers and a dozen Lois Lane. Ooh. I never knew what Superman saw in her. Give me Wonder Woman. Wow. And that golden lariat. She can tie me up anytime. Oh! <laughs> Oh, Homer! Oh, just kidding, Mark. Uh, that's like I, that had to be uh, just a conversation in the writers' room of like, why, why would you go with Lois Lane over Wonder Woman? Me, how? Like that's. <laughs> <laughs> Though really, the, this is Homer just having an online shipping argument mm-hmm. right here, which you know now the more popular ship, I I think it's because of the the Batman animated series or really the Justice League follow up. It's Wonder Woman and Batman is the combo I hear much more about than Wonder Woman and Superman. People yeah. want to see want to see that because yeah, they allude to it a ton in the cartoon. Oh yeah, yeah, and what, I think in the comics they just full on do it at I, some point. Well, now so many comics have come out; they've all like all the characters have dated at one point or another. Like Bat- Superman and Wonder Woman dated for a time as well in the in the new in the last oh yeah. the new fifty two I think it was yes yeah yeah. But also, it's something I love on Twitter. I follow uh, Susan Eisenberg, the uh, the voice actress for Wonder Woman, and like she is a fan of Batman Wonder Woman combos, and she's always joking about how like her and Kevin Conroy flirt of like, oh boy, look, our characters are together. It's a, <laughs> it's a cute little actor joke they have. 
Then Homer offers to take everybody out to Krusty Burger. That's when we get our third twister of the episode of Bart saying, a fine restaurant like Krusty Burger. And uh, apparently Al Jean partially, he's inspired by this comic thing because as a kid, he asked his dad to buy him a $10 comic book. His dad said that was too much money for a comic book. And that comic book would go on to be worth thousands of dollars later, (laughs) which... I've said it before. Al Jean, I think he's a real comic collector. And I bet he, I bet he is one of those guys who owns a a good copy of Amazing Fantasy 15. I feel pretty sure. He was denied that comic, but he's had a a very good job for the last 25 years, I think. So in the end, he won out. What what comic was he denied? Uh, I wish he had said it, but he didn't say. Based on his um, other interviews I've seen with him, I would bet it's a 60s issue of Amazing or of Fantastic Four. Those are, those are my two guesses based on again if you if you want to hear al Jean geek out get up the season 14 or 15 dvds the one with stanley in the episode where they have stanley on the commentary al Jean is asking him every nerdy question you could possibly ask stanley and it's wonderful mm-hmm. but yes bart isn't allowed to do it homer even tells him ts which like wow i was shocked they got away with that and that that ts don't mean talking simpsons no no but it should <laughs> Then on the commentary, they goof on Jeff Martin again because all of his scripts usually had a, like a, these repetition gags of like, please, dad, please, dad, please, dad. And they go like, oh, that fills that you did that for filler. You knew that filled up your page account. <laughs> uh, I also like that uh, he's asking for the hundred dollars and he absolutely refuses this. But later on, he has no problem giving him money for a bum. <laughs> yep. Yeah. This this is uh, when he when Bart needs a nine hundred dollars to buy that scratchy cell. That's uh, Homer's like, yeah, here you go. But uh, yep. very very different time. Yeah. It's it's repetitive, but I, direction wise, I like the slight push on every please dad. You get uh, the camera goes closer and closer with every please dad. Yeah. <laughs> and I like that Homer is getting like he's gone through this enough that he can point out you know the the how a Simpson script work where he's like, look, I know this always happens where I eventually do it, but we both know i'm not giving you a hundred dollars so you're gonna stop you're gonna stop you're gonna stop like i need a hundred dollars for a comic book a hundred bucks for a comic book who drew it michael Michelangelo? oh please dad i want this more than anything in the world well t.s please dad no. 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 please dad please dad no. please dad no. please dad no. please dad no now look son we all know that usually when you bug me like this i give in so i'm not mad at you for trying so you've been paying attention but we all know I'm not going to give you a hundred dollars. Now are you going to stop bugging me? No, are you? No. Are you? No. Are you? Are you? No. Are you, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> I win in your face. Yeah. How do you like them apples? Don't gloat, Homer. Great animation on his very long, like just like in your face, boom! And he like even like he gives Bart like a a very like bullying like sock to the shoulder, like eh, eh. (laughs) Stop gloating, Homer. (laughs) Yeah, and then and then a fourth twister mouth on Bart's okay when he says okay, like that's four. That's four in the first act, right? Total. Okay. So so many twisters. Uh, I'm gonna have to go rewatch and pay attention to these. I watched it twice in the past two days, but. Now when you go back, I think by season six is the final twister i think they got on the show when and it's shocking yeah. to see like they they're still they're still doing this wow so keep an eye out for them if you go back and we've covered it now already again in season two, but the bark get hits by a car uh burns does a twister mouth in yeah. it. it's like they, you, you really need the perfect uh cylinder of bart's head to do it though it just yes. looks weird on everyone else that's true 
No, 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 I'll have to keep an eye on those now that I know that they're a thing. <laughs> and uh, then Marge shares a story about with Bart about her own childhood, which I love that she does not use the term easy bake oven. Mm-hmm. She says a child-sized light bulb, uh, a child-sized electric light bulb oven. That's what she calls it. Like Marge has a lot of funny turns of phrase here to not say <laughs> a, a copywritten term. It's just like novelty flying disc. Yeah, it's my novelty flying <laughs> disc. And I love cute little Marge in this in her like design here they didn't stick with that when they do little marge later they'd give her tall hair but i kind of like this like uh, other design for her this this mislead with patty and selma gets me every time because when i hear them talk i think why don't they have their scratchy voices <laughs> well that's the joke i always I forget back yeah. the same thing <laughs> it's so their their transformation into their deep voices is so great and i always feel so bad for marge that she turned herself into like this horrible servant for her awful sisters just to get an easy bake oven and in the end she makes them the treats i know uh, and and of course the the background joke is that these two girls are big frankie avalon fans to set them in time this this is coming right after we just watched the season 33 premiere where the timeline just moves ahead and then marge was in high school in uh in 1999 yes and so uh this very very different timeline from being having frankie avalon posters growing up but that's just how decades move forward it's it'd be funnier now if they wrote a scene where marge is like oh yes when i was a little girl in 1954 (laughs) i don't know if she was ever that old no 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 yeah i haven't seen i don't think i've seen any of the like pushed up future episodes yet they've happened enough where i just accept it i'm like fine marge is my age yeah i mean that 90s show was them saying we have to do something about this it's true like i get it but also it falls under the category of comics as well where i'm like at what point are you gonna go back to batman's origin where he has an iphone or something exactly yeah (laughs) you know i there's i've read some funny spider-man comics where they do a flashback to something that happened in you know amazing fantasy fantasy 15 and when they show the characters that were on the panel saying their same lines they're still draw- dressed like they're from 1962 but then in the new drawing they draw that slightly off panel when you're not seeing is someone holding an iphone <laughs> and saying like oh hey it's spider-man look at that <laughs> Uh, and yes, they they make up uh, Frankie Avalon films of Beach Blanket, Beethoven, and Private Surfboard. And uh, then Patty is singing a certain song, which I, I have the real version of it oh, here. Oh, okay. There you go. That's that's enough of that. That's who is the artist behind Venus? Yeah, it's it's, it's Frankie Avalon. Oh, that's it's, him. It's okay, one, okay. So she's even singing a Frankie Avalon song. I have to correct something I I got wrong on the last time we covered this episode. Oh. In that I now I know what dress shields are. They basically absorb sweat in your armpits, so, so your dresses don't get pit stains in uh, them. So. so she's cleaning the gross, sweaty dress shields of Patty and Selma, hand washed <laughs> and drip dried. Uh for and yeah and again i always feel so bad that marge it shows you i guess what a doormat marge has always been that like after doing all that she can finally buy the oven and gives the cookies to her sisters like or or you know doormat's a little mean maybe uh, she's just an incredibly nice person mm. that marge He's just extra nice. Yeah. Uh, and so I love that Bart's reaction to hearing that story is Marge is offering to get a part-time job to give Bart $100. Yes. <laughs> she means you, stupid. 
And uh, and that leads to another uh, very current reference oh. of 1991. I want to know what modern day people think of this when they see it, having oh, not yeah. been there. Yeah. The big day finally came, and because I'd worked for it, all those light bulb warm treats always tasted extra good. So maybe a part-time job is the answer. Oh, Mom, I couldn't ask you to do that. You're already taking care of Maggie, and Lisa is such a handful. She means you should get a job, stupid. Me? Get a job? <laughs> Were they serious? <laughs> I didn't realize it at the time, but a little piece of my childhood had slipped away. Forever. Bart, what are you staring at? Uh, nothing. He didn't say it, and neither did I, but at that moment, my dad and I were closer than we ever... Stop it! Sorry. To everything... <laughs> and yes, that's our classic reference to The Wonder Years, which I was a viewer of at the time, so when I watched this episode, my first thought was, can they do this? <laughs> and yeah, very funny joke about a very popular show at the time, uh, Emmy Award winning The Wonder Years, started in 1988, I believe. Uh, when this episode was written, it was ending its third season and averaging about 19 million viewers every episode. Wow. And about to enter its fourth season. So obviously, David M. Stern is a writer on the show, Daniel Stern is a wet bandit and the narrator of The Wonder Years, so it was easy to get him. And apparently, David M. Stern uh, helped write some of the dialogue because there's a certain way you write the narration in the wonder years it, it feels perfect for yeah. it yeah yeah it's for me as a little kid too because i watched so many simpsons like say in this episode well the reference gone with the wind flies over my head you know just boom but uh, whenever i could recognize something I, I felt like i was on the level of my parents who laughed knowingly at, at hitchcock references or whatever that i didn't get and here i was like i get this too mom and dad <laughs> i get this like <laughs> surprisingly like I was a huge fan of this show, and I don't know why. Mm. Uh, the Wonder Years, because I was pretty young, I think, as it was, you know, airing. I think I was probably watching reruns, but yeah, I never like I haven't gone back and watched it as an adult. But I remember getting this because I watched the show. Like whenever I first saw this episode, which obviously wasn't 1991, I don't think. But yeah, watching through, it's just like, oh, I remember being a huge fan of this show, and I literally cannot remember like what got me into it. I don't know if it was this episode. <laughs> that got me into what the wonder years was but i'm assuming not because i knew what this reference was i i think my mom was able to get me to start watching the show because it was like it's the kid from princess bride mm. like i was uh i watched princess bride eight million times as a little kid and so i think just seeing uh the same actor in it got me to watch it or, for, for me it was like uh, i was only i don't know uh six or seven when it started and time moves so slow when you're only around for that long and to, <laughs> to even imagine things existed before me oh sure. is a fascinating concept so, which is why i think i started watching it and uh I like this parody because it makes you think of the reality of how they film those live action scenes in which the actors have to spend a lot of time not saying anything because the narration will come in after the fact. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of just like quietly eating dinner or like kind of not like Zach Morris freezing in the middle of the scenes, but just like a lot of silence in scenes because Daniel Stern will come in later and do the narration. But because it's happening in the real world, Homer's just like, what are you looking at? Well, why yeah. are you just like, what's going on? I love that. Yes. And uh, I want to talk about The Wonder Years. It's coming back, or it has come back. Oh. In that, uh, so shockingly, the original series only took place 20 years before it started airing. So wow. it took place in the late 60s to the early 70s. This new series, which started in 2021, they realized 20 years ago, that is a shockingly short amount of time. And as we begin to know everything about the world, and we have like constant access to all sources of information, time compresses so much. Sure, So yes. the new version of The Wonder Years takes place a little over 30 years ago in the late 80s. 
stories. Oh, wow. So, yeah, they're not going back to the mystical year of 2000 to tell these yeah. stories. It'd be weird to have a show set in 2000 now. I don't know. Everything is too up to date at that point. Yeah, yeah. I, well, that's like, I was trying to think of what the Wonder Years is now other than just a remake of the Wonder Years. I was I was thinking, like, well, I guess like Stranger Things is kind of the Wonder yeah. Years now. But it's also like, it's a horror show. But it, it, it the all the specifics are, are uh, very much like, no, this season is 84 as as opposed to like you know i guess like in the wonder years oh nixon just got elected like that's the uh, happened in this year of the wonder years uh well and also too in both cases they're fighting time of having child actors growing up as they go mm-hmm. I, i'm looking forward to that next season of stranger things just because i'm like boy how old are these kids gonna look now these kids are like they're, they're growing up giant turning into ghostbusters yes yeah uh, the the wolf kid is now he's, Finn Wolfhart. Finn, thank you. <laughs> I didn't even watch the show. I just know he's got a crazy name like Ansel Elgort. Uh, I only yeah. saw the uh, the first season of the show. I started watching the second season and I did not finish it. And I did not check out season three. I was told, uh, you know, I didn't give it a shot, and then uh, my husband was like, "No, no, no. Look, we'll just we'll watch a season two. Everybody, ba- lots of people bounce off it." He's like, "Just watch this explainer of like here's what happened." season two okay now you can watch the much better third season <laughs> and just go right into it ah so it's one of those scenarios yeah i you know it was it worked out for me i'll just say i i did season three i was like oh that's really good i like this third season so we come back from the break and bart is hunting for money uh he first uh, just empties a like four liter bottle of cola it looks <laughs> like which to me i love the hugeness of that it's, design. it's practically empty <laughs> and uh, and i also you know it's a little uh, this small Apu scene here I feel like the joke Martin is going with here is that it's against like the you know stereotype of the immigrant 7-Eleven shop owner where he is like using very big words of like oh would you delight to defray this cost with it uh, like that it's it's a funny little bit and also that Apu likes that Bart is running a mm-hmm. trade he's like yeah because Apu is a very hard working yeah, guy he's very yeah. industrious yeah I always love this little kid the layout out of bark going like ching 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 and just like smashing the thing of coins as he says it the third time uh, the souvenir set from bolivia from patty yes. and selma <laughs> and and when he takes it to the bank teller there's still loose glass among yeah. the coins i love that too you know what this uh this is not true and i'm angry about it because uh from japan i have like a loose assortment of coins left that i just want to get rid of mm-hmm. and they won't say t- they won't exchange your money unless you have a certain value yeah yeah I so i just too. have a stack of coins from Japan and Canada too that's like I, I, I don't know what to do with these I have a bag of coins from Canada but that's fine because I'm here now but <laughs> You can the do. Time. I can't do anything with this. Canadian laundry. Yeah, you know, I've uh, after the first two times that happened to me in Japan, uh, the next times I was there, I was like, well, the last day I have to buy, I just have to go to a convenience store and like buy a chocolate bar or whatever, and just pay only in like you know one yen coins. <laughs> Though then I found out, I bet it doesn't work anymore. But the last time I came back, my coin operated laundry machine in my apartment complex, it thought ten yen coins were quarters and Ooh. so i was able to dump them in there so i don't maybe know uh, maybe maybe give a shot to those 10 yen coins in your own uh laundry machine i'm afraid that i mean they're not in good shape oh, sure. i feel like i will destroy them <laughs> in my apartment complex that's part of the risk that's true yeah. 
but uh but yeah that bart gets three l- lousy cents for it and so it's uh this is basically just like a series of sketches of how do little kids earn money and uh then comes the lemonade stand which i love that not only is bart knows that it's like hacky and dumb for a little kid to do a lemonade stand in 1991 like nobody actually is gonna stop and buy lemonade but i also love that lisa kind of like set designs him to look <laughs> even more sad i love that this is so humiliating. I feel like such a geek. How's it going, Bart? Terrible. Car slow down to laugh at me, but no one's buying. Maybe you need to play on their sympathies more. Let's see. Ha mm. <laughs> ha, now you look pathetic. Ha <laughs> ha! So we had a ha-ha before yes. in War of the Simpsons, but I think this is really the the first true ha-ha from I, Nelson. I also think so, yes. Because I believe, we have not recorded it yet, you, you've heard it already, but I believe in uh, War of the Simpsons it's like ha-ha-ha, yeah. there's like a three ha's, but the first ha-ha is there. Mm-hmm. They And when they heard Nancy say ha-ha, they're like, oh, that's funny. And so the very next episode, they're like, all right, let's just have spontaneously Nelson, who's not in the scene ride by on a bike and point and laugh at bart and that that is i also agree it is the first true ha ha as as we know it so uh, this this episode is full of firsts here yeah the three ha ha's don't count yeah yeah and he's just <laughs> laughing at like grandpa's pants falling down and he's and also he's naturally there in the scene like it happens because abe says like oh, you want me to take off my ba- belt he's like sure like well all right this is the first time nelson is summoned because something embarrassing has happened <laughs> exactly and i love the design of pathetic bart too like with his backwards hat and the misspelled lemonade sign uh and then uh, my mother had to explain to me as a little kid why a kid couldn't just sell his dad's beer like that but that's uh and it's a great bit like not only is bart serving it to like teens like jimbo is there drinking the beer but then also bart bribes police officers to keep doing it which is just so great and they later litter as they walk away that's also good <laughs> just throw the cups just into the street. crime <laughs> yes yeah, so uh, just crime everywhere and then when homer pulls up i love his just like my all the posing on it like my beer my beer my beautiful beer the Bart somehow just by serving beer, all of not just Barney, but all of the bar flies at Mars uh, Mo's bar are there. Barney is so hard up he can't afford nickel beer. Is asking to buy it on credit. Uh, and Bart sounds like he's already been burned by him before. He's yeah. like, get out of here. Uh, and so then Bart is getting in trouble, and this is when we first hear about another of our original characters. This episode, Mrs. Glick, and uh, I will say first off, the establishing shot of Jake's unisex hair pals. I think is a very late addition. It's the exact same shot using Simpson and Delilah. Mm, okay. And also like this is more Marge and Glick I don't think would be at Jake's unisex hair palace. I think they'd be at like uh well what would become Harry Shearer's in the show like the 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 be- the more beauty salon style. Jake's is more of like a old school men's barber yeah, shop. Yeah, it's a barber shop. Yeah. But this is the first appearance of Mrs. Glick, voiced for the only time by Cloris Leachman, R.I.P. She passed away in 2021 at the the great age of 94, like quite a life. Uh, like, I mean, just a television legend, won multiple Emmys under Jim Brooks working on the Mary Tyler Moore show. Uh, so that's how she was another of like those, oh, uh, Jim's Brooks just calls his good friend and says, do The Simpsons. And she had a two-season spinoff of her character Phyllis from that show. Yeah. 
and yeah. uh, some Mrs. Glick trivia for you. Oh, so uh, she would not appear again until season four's Whacking Day, but every time after this, she's voiced by Tress McNeil. Uh, she was killed and seen in heaven in season 23's Replaceable You, Whoa. but she has appeared after that. So wow. killing Mrs. Glick was just a joke. She came back more. I didn't know that. Man, that's... Hans Molman. Yeah. Exactly, yes. <laughs> but yeah, uh, played by Tress after this, and just uh, some fun lines here and there. It's a pineapple, plenty ripe, too. Yes, yeah. Things like uh, that. I like when she's trying to sell the uh, the candy dish. $40. Yeah. yeah. It's just all... candy. <laughs> that's good. Uh, yeah, she's she's great. I love her old lady stuff. And and, 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 and I mean, Cloris Leachman, like her old lady voice, she was she just became that in person all the time. But you go back to the 70s, she played mean old ladies like mm-hmm. in as Frau Brooker in, in Mel Brooks's Young Frankenstein. She's so good as a mean old lady. It makes me kind of sad that this vintage of old lady is gone now. Yeah. Because I remember uh, being in like the weird apartments of these old people, like friends of my grandma or even my great grandma who was born in like the early 20th century. Mm-hmm. You just don't get these old ladies anymore. <laughs> now our parents are the old ladies. Yeah. It's not fun. <laughs> Uh, uh, and one other bit about Cloris Leachman that uh, sent me down a real rabbit hole on IMDb. So I saw that Cloris Leachman, she appeared in Gunsmoke. And I was like, wow, the Gunsmoke, which to Simpsons fans, they only know Gunsmoke as the show that had the most TV show episodes ever until Simpsons overtook it. And obviously that doesn't count like sports or pro wrestling. One Piece. Or one or anime like One Piece yeah. or the news or whatever. So, uh, but so Gunsmoke was it and the Simpsons is now surpassed it like by i think 80 episodes now it's had more but so i was like oh is cloris leachman the only actor to appear on gunsmoke and simpsons i found out no that is not true i found at least three others and mm. listeners can uh tell me if they found more of like somebody's gonna tell me actually tom scarrett was on the simpsons one time or whatever but the other three are ed asner leonard nimoy and jody foster okay those are the other the four actors who have been on simpsons and gunsmoke and only jody foster still lives of the actors who appeared and that's because she was on gunsmoke when she was six like that's that's how long jody foster has been in stuff if you've seen tarantino's once upon a time in hollywood the little girl actor on the western in the movie is it entirely inspired by jody foster acting on gunsmoke okay. early in her career hmm. yes uh but yes, I also like the Glick when she's trying to name what comic a little kid would read today. Nazi Smasher is the <laughs> name of the one, which that's great. Like, because actually she could say like, oh, are they still reading Superman comics? Because those would have been around in her youth. But that she names one that would not exist anymore because it was the <laughs> she's thinking of a 40s comic. But yes, this uh, this entire bit of working for Mrs. Glick plumbed entirely from Jeff Martin's t- childhood. Uh, I won't say the name. I feel like it maybe it counts as doxing, but in our interview with Jeff Martin, he names the name of mm. the woman that he had worked for. <laughs> well, at best now you can just vandalize her grave. Yes, yeah, she's she's long dead, but I guess you could search for this grave in the Houston area, perhaps. But <laughs> yeah, is him growing up in the seventies? He was paid fifty cents for uh, pulling weeds, though not for like Bart does this job for a week. Like this is yeah. a week of work he does. This is awful. Like yeah, no, he he must have got iodined as a kid. <laughs> oh yes, yeah. This, uh, so yes, uh, here's here's our first scene of Mrs. Glick, actually. The poor boy is so desperate. He wants to earn money to buy a comic book. A comic book? Oh my, boys never change. Which one is it, Nazi Smasher? I don't think so. Send him over to my house. I got a few 
chores he could do. He knows how to mix whitewash, don't he? <laughs> Mrs. Glick? Ah, you must be Bert Simpson. Well, you look like you got a strong young back. <laughs> Would you like something to eat? I got dried apricots, almond paste, sauerkraut candy. Uh, no thanks. <laughs> sauerkraut, or the way she like eh, sauerkraut candy, huh? <laughs> like, uh, love that. This horrible, horrible old people food. Yes, yeah, like oh, uh, ribbon candy is mm. like I, I think it is just like you know sticky sugar. Which how bad can that be? Like I'm sure it's a like, but th- that it all like glues together. That's perfect of her bowl. It's very accurate. Yes, <laughs> I think the one old lady candy they're missing are those orange slices, oh, like those candy yeah. orange wedges, the little gooey ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like those Warthers, and then those little strawberry candies. <laughs> yeah, that's, I uh, Warthers. I love that in our youths, Werther's proudly was like, yeah, we're the grandpa kid. Yeah. Your grandpa gave it. Buy some for yourself. My, remember, grandpa. My grandma bought into the marketing. I think like the bottom <laughs> layer of her purse was just pure Werther's, uh, which meant I always had access to them. With the loudest Those are the best old people candy. They were. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love the, you know, and they're, they can't, like, for old people, if they still have teeth, those Werther's are going to rip them out. They're better for kids with the nice, strong <laughs> teeth, you know? They then even do, like, uh, what the family guy would later start doing a ton of, but this just cutaway gag. Like, I, I don't know if this is their first. It feels like one of the first hmm. I, of them just going, like, oh, this is that guy. And then it just flashes to his, his explosion in World War One. Uh, which would make Glick even here uh, like 97 or something in, in 1991. But Bart has promised some barley pop, uh, all these old timey jokes. It's like the other side of the coin of Burns and Grandpa. This is the old lady versions of the old man jokes that they do. And uh, as a little kid, seeing how Bart looks with all his bloody, bloody scrapes on him, like they made me very uncomfortable as a little kid. I was like, ah. <laughs> I just looked it up. The last World War One veteran died in uh, 2009. Wow, man, that guy lived a long time. At age time. 111. <laughs> Whoa, wow. Oh, and his name was Harry Patch. Harry Patch. <laughs> that's a real name. Oh, that's perfect. You know what? He, out- he outlived the legacy of his joke name. <laughs> So yes, Bart does all of his jobs, and uh, then we get uh, the second appearance in the series of Search for the Sun, the uh, recurring... I wish that when Mo, I said it before, but when Mo got his facelift and worked for a soap opera, I wish it was Search for the Sun. Mm. I'm so sad they made up It Never Ends. Cause it's Search, also a good name. Oh, sure, it's great, but I would have preferred they kept to the uh, the reality of like, well, what was the one we used before? Let's go with Search for the Sun. But uh, she's watching her stories, and that's when Bart comes in. She's going to put iodine in him and get on him again. I did not know what this was. I I guess as a little kid, if I had a scraper or a bruise, I didn't know what my mom put on it. I was just like, it's just the owie medication. It was usually you know? about peroxide, which yes, even if you're in pain. Yeah. Even if you're in pain, it's just fun to watch the bubble sizzle. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Also, before, uh, what did she call it? She says it like authentically arousing or something like that is her line. I can't remember exactly what it was. Oh, uh, genuinely arousing. Genuinely, genuinely yeah. Filthy, <laughs> but genuinely arousing. Uh, I like that she can say that to herself. Like, you know, now that I'm alone, I can admit it. This is genuinely arousing. I like this. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, that uh, when Glick puts her iodine on him and says they 
never approved on iodine. That is a joke because apparently it started in the 50s that like iodine got improved and wasn't as painful as it was. So that implies like Glick's bottle of iodine is the oldest bottle in the world. <laughs> and I would think too, iodine probably goes out of uh, date and, and is spoiled in some respect. But Bart screaming in pain. It's pretty horrifying, actually. He goes through so much. Uh, I love him coming into the room with Marge later and saying, like, did you make any money? No, but at least not yet, but at least I'm in a lot of pain. <laughs> and and there's some nice little bits, too, like Marge. I really like when they put in little business of, like, when Marge is preparing dinner, she puts her hand over the steaming pot for just a second to, like, feel how hot it is. Like, that's, you know, a little detail that no, doesn't need to be put in, but, but feels, you know, more realistic. I like that. And uh, we also get to hear about Beulah, which is a uh, some old lady thing that nobody's ever heard of for 50 years. <laughs> no. I just love her, like, no. <laughs> and uh but yes dyeing her wedding dress black for wearing it morning it's uh you know that's a real that's a real goth move mm -hmm. on old mrs glick it's a money say. saver too yeah it's a nice another dark uh dark joke yes <laughs> she's like oh well of course i'll never need to wear my wedding dress again i'm going to so many funerals <laughs> <laughs> And then we head over to the real, the first appearance of Androids Dungeon, which yes. I think that's a good name. They seem to think it's like, Mike Reese seems to think it's not as funny as it could be, but it's always, they've never changed it. It's always Androids Dungeon. I, f I kept forgetting that it's always been part of the sign, but it's the Androids Dungeon and Baseball Card Shop, because yeah. a lot of these places <laughs> didn't just sell comics. The one that I went to sold comics and lottery tickets oh. because oh. they wanted to diversify. So <laughs> I don't know if that was just written in because Millhouse had to come in to buy his baseball card mm. but uh, a lot of these would diversify like you'd have sports memorabilia and comics as well mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah i feel like i remember seeing a lot of comics and sports cards yeah actually i think the one i went to was called rainbow comics and cards yeah well now if you go to a comic shop and it's not like at least half like toys then you're uh, i would do a double take i'm like wait uh, what or just or collectibles or um you yeah. know busts or statues funkos. yes mostly funkos. i think everyone funkos. at least falls back on the funkos oh sure well i mean you know a we've we've goofed on funkos <laughs> from time to time on this podcast but you can't deny that they are keeping a lot of places afloat with their sales like people people love them one train yeah. stop away from us there is a mostly abandoned shopping districts uh, full of big box stores that have long since been vacated but there is one freestanding Barnes & Noble I'm tempted to go in to see what percentage of the store is Funko <laughs> I would bet it's all the first floor now mm -hmm. yeah it's got to be a good chunk. <laughs> You're like, oh, can I, you couldn't buy a copy of Tale of Two Cities if you walked in there, but you'd have no. your choice of Funko. <laughs> the books are uh, somewhere in the back. <laughs> but yeah, Android's Dungeon, you know, uh, you were talking about it uh, before, Dan Housen, the that Universal, I actually think it's a really great front of Android's Dungeon that they have in there, but it should be a store. Like, it should absolutely be a store, especially now. I just don't get it. Like, I mean, yes, the the obviously the quickie mark should be a shopping place too and you can buy stuff there but there are so many nerdy items of simpsons yep. memorabilia they can sell why wouldn't you have mm. the an android dungeon you can go into and then on top of that you know that then you can have like a person who's like both works the place and is kind of a performer like they don't have to like fully be dressed as comic book guy but they can at least like have a comic book guy uh style to them as they sell you stuff kind of rudely like they it's, could it's, sell uh, simpsons comics or they yes, could have when they yeah. were still in publication 
Well, if, if Disney does take over and make their own land, then they can just sell Marvel comics at the Androids ju- Dungeon. Exactly. Yeah, I. it's just such a missed opportunity that that Androids Dungeon is just like a front. And it's it's all accurate and it has to, and it has cool stuff in the displays. And I yep. like I like that in the area you can eat right next to it. There's a big billboard of all the Simpsons family in their character, like in their superhero characters. Radioactive man on the side of the building. Mm-hmm. It's it's perfect in that detail, but I I just can't believe they didn't make it indoors for it. It's it's nuts. But uh, it's, uh, it's maybe someday when Disney gets it back, they can take it to the next level with that. Like same with like oh the Aztec Theater, you can go inside and watch the Simpsons on TV. Oh yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, Disney has the Mickey Mouse Theater. Exactly. If they've if they've already got the, the Main Street Cinema, then the Aztec Theater should just be like you. If you want to get out of the heat on in the Simpsons zone, just go in the Aztec Theater for like you know ten minutes and and watch a, a classic Simpson or just a loop yeah, of every movie parody they've done. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's if that that Reddit man can make the tiny TV, then this should not be a problem. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. Also, the I love all the clips they show around there in the line for the ride but the tvs should look like the simpsons tvs like it's just it's it's like they're 80 percent of the way there i just want them to go the the other 20 percent you know like the harry potter world has the level of detail i want simpsons to have like it's so close to that but not enough yeah because even as i'm not like a huge harry potter person but like i can appreciate the detail in all of that oh sure the the experience those kids have going into the like the wand shop and having the same experience harry potter has when buying a wand like i want that but for buying a flaming mo yeah me too yeah Yep, exactly. Uh, I do like the crusty burger though because it's mediocre. Yes, yeah. I do agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, so yes, then Bart is injured some more, scratched up by a cat. In silhouette, he's given iodine, which is a reference to the amputation scene from Gone with the Wind. I tried to find that, but that movie is like three hours long, and <laughs> I, I'm glad I don't have to watch it now. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> it's the one classic movie that's referenced a lot that I still haven't seen, but I know I don't really have to. It's so long. Yeah, I've never seen it. I'm sure I've seen tons of references to it though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unlike all the other things in Simpsons that they reference a million times, I did not want to watch Gone with the Wind to get them. And uh, yes, then at the end of it all, Bart gets two quarters. I'll wager you've been looking forward to this. Oh, yes, ma'am. Here we are. Two quarters. Two quarters. You deserve every penny. You know, I've told a lot of my girlfriends about you, and they have chores, too. Two quarters. Bart. You didn't say thank you. Listen, lady, I can leave without screaming, and I can leave without saying a bad word, but there is no way that I am saying thank you. You're welcome. All right, then, off you go to spend it on penny whistles and moon pie. Hmm. Moon pie's my butt. Somebody ought to moon pie her. What's the problem, boy? I've been busting my hump all week for that withered old clam, and all I got was 50 cents. Hey, when I was your age, 50 cents was a lot of money. Really? Nah. Dad, (laughs) I've done everything I could, and I've only got 35 bucks. I am through with working. Working is for chumps. Son, I'm proud of you. I was twice your age before I figured that out. Uh, I, I hope that taught little me of like, you know what? Working is for chumps. It's, I, I shouldn't be doing it. But uh, I like that someone really enjoys moon pies. At the mm, it's yeah. brought up multiple times throughout the years. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had one. I know they're still, uh, uh, they've never gone away. They're, they're... Uh, I had one for the first time recently and 
they just taste like plastic. Oh, is sure. there a marshmallow inside of them? Is that what it's made out of? Or um, it's sort I of like so. a cream. Like it's hmm. definitely a vanilla cream in there. Yeah, and and it's like, well, I mean, if you're gonna eat, you know, this junk, get a Twinkie. Like you're better off with a Twinkie. I'd say. <laughs> I think Moon Pies really the last time they were in the news is when like they their Twitter account was tweeting funny things of just like you know Moon Moon Pies <laughs> ho- hopes you have uh, good luck in mental health awareness month or whatever just like thanks moon pie uh, i just visited moon pie online that's moonpie.com uh to confirm it is marshmallow inside which is uh, why keep me away from that disgusting uh, i don't like marshmallow an anti man even what about imitation marshmallows uh maybe <laughs> if you smother it in enough hot cocoa i can deal with it <laughs> I mean, yeah, to be told moon pies, that's, uh, you know, that's a good old timey thing. But moon pies have the Simpsons would make you think that only old people would know about moon pies, oh. but they still exist. Well, moonpie.com is telling me they're more popular than ever. So <laughs> why would the moon pie uh, advisory board lie to me? <laughs> uh, the moon pie TikTok has got to be pretty on fleek these <laughs> days, I bet. Uh, I, you know, Jeff Martin on the uh when we interviewed him he actually seemed to think that the act two of this he's like he kind of regretted it he's like i thought act two kind of drags a little bit with all the old lady stuff but you know obviously it's not as fun as jokes about comic books but i i think i think it's a fine act too but once it's over like bart just goes like all right enough of this i'm done with this old lady crap i actually i liked i think that might be my favorite part is all the middle old lady stuff <laughs> like with like lasting quotable jokes oh sure yeah all i i i love her like spend it on penny whistles and moon pies i've certainly felt that when uh i got a my first paycheck and i was yeah. like oh boy this is penny whistle and moon pie money here yeah, by that yeah. it's uh anime dvds yes. and comics <laughs> dan Housen, when you got your first uh indie booking and got paid at the at the pay window are you thinking of penny whistles the moon pies no i was thinking of the uh what what does marge say she says did you make any money he says no but i'm in a lot of pain <laughs> that's true very accurate to uh wrestlers starting out <laughs> and by the way mrs glick would return again in whacking day for her one line snake did oh yes yeah. snake did. <laughs> for uh lisa asking who killed all those rats in your basement that's great so yeah. she's gone for uh two years boy poor bart that he i bet he had to deal with a lot of those rats in that basement in his uh, this time here but yes we head back to android's dungeon bart is shocked shocked to see that somebody seemingly has bought it but then he finds out that it's just martin haggling over it and uh, also though dangerous to keep a valuable comic in the window display like that it's gonna get sun damage something mm-hmm. fierce man but yes the comic book guy his many reactions to being told like 40 dollars, like what like no way and they're like freaking kids like <laughs> And we uh, learn about his uh, master's degree. So uh, like me, he has a useless master's degree. So yes, (laughs) it all makes sense. Except his is in folklore and mythology. Mine's only in English literature. Which Just one degree off. <laughs> I figure that folklore and mythology is a cover for having Lord of the Rings or uh, or or just regular comic book knowledge. He's like, yeah, I no, I know all about Thor. It's folklore. That's what it's. <laughs> but meanwhile, Millhouse shows up and he doesn't even want the thing. He wants to pay thirty five bucks for a thirty bucks for a Carl Yastrzemski tops trading card it is if you look up carl yastrzemski tops 1973 that is the big sideburns card he's looking 
looking for uh, on eBay. If you want a quality copy of one, not like you can get a beat up one for like two bucks on eBay, but if you want a good one that's like no creases, that's fifty bucks. Okay. So about I, what Millis is paying. I bet this episode drove up the price of the Carl Yastrzemski <laughs> baseball card. <laughs> and this is the first time I heard a comic book guy say, "I came." He comes out. He says, "I've got your mutton chop." Yes. Yes. It's the first. So the first time I've heard that. He. You know, that's this is first appearance comic book guy. He's like folklore and mythology. Like he's there's a little more slurring of his words together. Yeah, but uh, but this is when the boys realize that together they can buy many comics. You want? Can I have it for thirty-five? No, no, freaking kids! I do not need this. I've got a magic degree in folklore and mythology. Excuse me, do you have the Carl Yastrzemski baseball card from nineteen seventy-three when he had big sideburns? Show me thirty bucks, because if you ain't got it, I ain't getting off the stool. Okay. Wait a minute, Martin. If you, Milhouse, and I went in together, we could buy a copy of Radioactive Man number one right now. Wow! Here you go, Mutton Chop Yaz. I don't want it. Freaking kid. Look, pal, we got a hundred bucks, and we'd like to buy Radioactive Man number one. So why don't you just waddle over there and get it? Yes, sir. Wow. Breathe it in, boys. Oh, this is the stuff dreams are made of. It smells like my grandpa. Uh oh, <laughs> looks like rain. We better get this baby home. Uh oh. Looks like you bought more than you bargained for. <laughs> Uh, what most, an act break. The most villainous he'd ever be. Yes. yes. He's got a terrifying laugh. Uh, I love how Bart insults him, but he's so happy to get a hundred bucks. He's just like, yes, sir. He's like, waddle over there. He's like, yes, sir. You're, give me that hundred bucks right now. Uh, and yes, the storm is coming already as the boys are learning they bought more than they're bargained for. But but as the, as the commentary reveals, this third act was certainly not their original plan in the script. Mm-hmm, that's true. Uh, so as it aired... And as it was rewritten, the original, sorry, the third act turned into a parody of the treasure of the Sierra Madre, the classic movie that we all know about <laughs> not needing any freaking badges, right? Mm-hmm. That's what it's all about. And people going crazy over uh, gold. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the original act three that Jeff Martin wrote was a parody of the uh, Stallone movie F.I.S.T. Fist, which is why his original script was called B.A.R.T. Bart. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a bit. So the original movie was based on the uh, Teamsters Union and Jimmy Hoffa and his third act was Bart Martin and uh, Milhouse forming a union to uh, control this comic and it breaking apart as all unions do yes as the the uh, the Simpsons definitely had the idea of like if you have a union it is corrupt like that it often goes corrupt very quickly but yeah. that to to even know that the original script title was B-A-R-T like F-I-S-T that is shocking that they hacked that much out of it they're like no uh, like 20 pages gone it, like just it seemed like he wasn't very happy with it too sure. he doesn't regret losing that but yeah it was originally going to be a uh, parody of unions mm. uh but i don't know how that would have functioned and maybe we can get jeff martin to fax us his old scripts maybe. i don't know but uh <laughs> that's just the the story of this episode but it's fine i think the sierra madre thing works if you're going to parody a movie i think it's better that the boys all go crazy with this treasure they can't share and they all because i mean definitely as a little kid I could not share anything with my little brother. It's like, oh, well, hey, this, you know, this toy is both of yours. No, it is not. Uh, it has to be one of ours or it will be destroyed. Like, that. Uh, selfish little kids don't understand that idea. 
No, not at all. I think this one's more relatable. That's probably why they went with this, because I think parents probably understood it better and also like just little kids not sharing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, and also, though, uh, they they mentioned that when they come back from the break that it was very easy for them to write a parody of a comic book like that. They said it was like falling off a log like that easy. This parody here, uh, they say, you know, Radioactive Man in general, the name also brings to mind how every Marvel comic hero in the 60s got powers through a radioactive something. Cosmic Rays hit the Fantastic Four. Spider-Man's bitten by a radioactive spider and of course this one though is very much the original hulk origin from 1962 that jack kirby drew like especially he gets his leg caught like and then he's exploded by the bomb that's almost like uh panel for panel the drawing on incredible hulk number one of his origin so uh yeah it's like i i just love how bart martin just in part say whoa i would have thought it would have killed him like well <laughs> now you know better my pants caught on barbed wire good lord choke an a-bomb becoming radioactive from this day forward i shall call myself Radioactive man. So that's how it happened. I would have thought being hit by an atomic bomb would have killed him. Now you know better. Turn the page, Bart. And also when you were a little kid, like if you could find a reprint of Amazing Fantasy or something, those were always exciting to me because I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, you can never read these original. Now it's just online instantly. But as a little kid, finally being able to read Spider-Man's origin, you're like, whoa, so that's how it happened. So that's how the first, that's how the Fantastic Four came to be. Yeah. When I started reading comics, they'd be like in the 20s or the 30s and that run an image. And I could actually go to these conventions and find out like how Spawn started or mm. like how Bone started and things like that. Yeah, I think they've tried making it a little bit more easier to go because I, I see a lot of these now where they'll go back and like reprint like Watchmen number one for a dollar oh, or yeah. like whatever issue it is of number one to get people into it for a dollar of like their top comics yeah i've seen too they will you know on like kindle or comiXology they'll do a thing of like here five cents for the first issue of this if you're finally uh, not just even like you know of a 60 year old comic also of recent runs that were like big hits they'll say like here the first issue of this uh you know big wonder woman run you can get it for a dollar now and then uh, hopefully you want to read the rest of it and pay the full price yeah that's why uh manga has been kicking western comics ass for a while in terms of you know selling things in print because with uh, western comics the question where do i begin can go in many different directions with manga where do i begin you see the book with a one on it you start with the book with the one on it and then you buy the book with the two on it and so on until there's no more books it's not uh 19 different batman mm-hmm. stories going on at once it's like well uh, where do you want to start with batman and your friend who knows will just go <laughs> like well this writer's run is good so you need to start with volume one of batman uh then colon blankety blank blank but i know it's it's not reader friendly but once you i i swear once you can <laughs> deconstruct the code and know where to start there are there's good stuff to read there's really good comics out there but yes i i know i know the challenges for sure no i get the same way with like new series where i'm like or albums even where they're like hey this band's really good i'm like yeah but they have like 10 albums what am i gonna (laughs) (laughs) there's no shame in buying greatest hits no not at all that's uh, now on spotify or whatever i'm using they usually will have a playlist of like this is this person i'm like all right well i'm just gonna listen to those 
You know, uh, it used to be like that with pro wrestling, too, uh, in the pre-internet days. If somebody was like, oh, you know, I watched wrestling growing up, but how do I get into, like, you know, WCW now? And you just have to have a friend who says, well, okay, I'll just tell you who's champion or what stories are going on or whatever. But but now, you know, a, a lot of the promotions just even put up their own videos of, like, here's the explainer. Here's, you know, the, the here's a preview of the storyline, yep. and they explain all that stuff. No, because each time you like you're going to have a first time viewer. So I think that's smart. Yeah. Yeah. I think like like, for example, Dan Housen himself mm-hmm. has uh, has an ROH introductory video that I think is, is very yeah, which I think was really smart for them to to put out because that's a whole new audience. Mm hmm. No, I've, it's been it's been really amazing to see you there. The, the Danhausen is so true to himself still in Ring of Honor, but he has to navigate, you know, Ring of Honor, which has a lot of, you know, it's built on handshakes and purity of wrestling, wrestling and very straightforward wrestling. So mm-hmm. it's been fun to try to weave my way through that, but still staying the same. Yeah, it's it's a great like you, so, uh, the the clash of styles makes it even uh, like gr- better, I'd say. So that's sure. what I always think. I always think that like rather than two of the same thing have two different things and then it just meld men's uh, together way better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, so the boys, they're, you know, very carefully reading the comic. They are sterilizing the tweezers as they turn each page that that Spider-Man 33 I have. I read it once just so I could say, like, oh, I flipped through it and I know it's a complete issue. I will never touch this again. Like, that's what I said to myself. <laughs> yeah. Then the uh, the boys try to decide who's going to keep it after uh, the the origin section is over. And uh, they then have an incredibly long explanation of who has it and who owns what that uh another jeff martin time killer (laughs) (laughs) and then he he, and once they can't decide a sleepover is decided upon about sunday well sunday possession will be determined by a random number generator i will take the digits one through three bill house will have four through six and bart will have seven through nine perfect wait a minute what about zero yeah what about zero yeah well in the (laughs) unlikely event of a zero Possession will be determined by rock, scissor, paper competition. Best three out of five, how's that? Uh, okay, good. okay, yeah, all right, yeah. Cool. Excellent. Well, today being Saturday, gentlemen, I guess I'll be taking my comic and... Uh, uh, uh. Nice try, Martin. It almost worked, but tonight this comic book stays right here. If the comic book stays right here, then so do I. Me too. Fine. We're all gonna stay here with the comic book. It'll be like a sleepover. Yeah, a sleepover. That's what pals do, right? Real friendly-like. So I, I've always considered this. I'll ask you guys this, too. So do you think Bart is being too um, paranoid, or do you think Martin made <laughs> up that game and all of the layout of who gets what each day just so he, like, well, the point of it is that I, it's Saturday today and I'm going to get it, and when Martin yeah. takes it home, he'll they'll never see that comic again, and Martin's just going to keep it forever. That, that was the long con for Martin. And I will say also – oh, sorry, Dan Hazen. Oh, no, I was going to say I was just laughing. Yeah. I was going to also say uh, this is the one time where Milhouse is one step ahead of Bart and Bart is being influenced by Milhouse because Milhouse is the one who says, what about Sunday and what about Zero? And then later Milhouse will go, let's tie him up. That's true. So yeah. Bart is under the thrall of Milhouse <laughs> in this episode. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, I don't know, because has Martin done anything like sneaky like that before? Not really. No, he's he's been like... 
uh you know and bart gets an f bart has to explain to him how to be a bad boy so so maybe yeah, he's, i feel like bart is just uh being the greedy kid i think i think bart's too paranoid yeah perhaps martin always meant it and then bart's just like oh i see through you but but either way it works great and then also you get to see the little detail of the brick holding it down like setting it up there though that though for guys who are worried about their comic book staying in good shape i wouldn't put like a sharp brick on top of it yeah i don't know probably instantly ruined yeah <laughs> uh and so yes this is when bart bart's line of like uh real friendly like this this is when he transforms into humphrey bogart in that film which uh i have a clip of that here if you want to hear humphrey bogart at his most paranoid uh and you can see how uh, what a great job nancy cartwright is doing uh imitating this type of voice wouldn't it be better the way things are to separate tomorrow or even tonight that would suit you fine, wouldn't it? Why me more than you? Say so you could fall on me from behind, sneak up and shoot me in the back. All right, I'll go first. And wait for me on the trail, ambush me. Why wouldn't I do it right here and now if I meant to kill you? I'll tell you why. Because you're yellow. You haven't got nerve enough to pull the trigger while I'm looking you straight in the eye. If you think like that, there's nothing to do but to tie you up every night. <laughs> Uh, I had not seen that clip in a long time. Bogart really, you're not used to seeing Bogart as this like uh, unshaven, like wide eyed, super paranoid guy. He's really, he's really good at playing against the like, you know, I'm used to cool guy Bogart, like, oh, the coolest guy in the world, the, 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 the bar owner or the you know, detective guy. But here he is just like, you'd like that, wouldn't you? But you, yeah, you wouldn't shoot me. I prefer Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> r.i.p r.i.p Humphrey Bogart but yeah so as the boys start choking each other then the action music comes in and uh, this is when Marge appears and Marge is a very poor guardian in this episode and that she just what if you walk in on children choking each other you don't just go like hey kids what's up <laughs> she approves of their little tie-up game yes no, Dan Housen, I mean, uh, I, I'm sure this is uh, not the best parenting skills you're seeing on display here by your reckoning. No, no, not at all. <laughs> and uh, ho- almost Homer level. Yeah, except it's re- yeah, it's it's Homer level, except Marge is more like Homer is actively like, eh, whatever. Like Marge is just too innocent to think that the boys are trying to kill each other. <laughs> yes. But she is letting them outside in a, during a storm. Yes, yeah, it's uh, she should have made them come in at this point, honestly. But <laughs> but yes, then I also like again. It's so cute that Marge Marge could just say s'mores. She has to say that they're microwaved, making them like crappier s'mores. <laughs> like they're not from the they're not over a uh, flame. Are the imitation marshmallows also in the s'mores? Is my Ooh, question too. Yeah, I'd, I'd guess. Boy, that has to. That's not a gooey marshmallow. That's even worse s'mores. Then yeah, I'd 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 rather have uh, s'mores pop tarts than that kind of s'mores. And then we have a really like amb- ambitious, amazing shot of like this long pan across all three boys' faces, staring at each other. Like, and their faces change in like a shifting angle from three dimensions. Like, it's really good. Mm-hmm. Then Martin gets up to use the bathroom. Bart pulls instead of a gun pulled on him, like how uh, Bogart does in the movie. He pulls a slingshot on Martin, and that's when Millhouse instantly goes like, "Let's tie him up." <laughs> which uh that then leads to uh bart and millhouse seemingly being on the same page but not for long bart is this how you treat all your guests why piggy will stick an apple in your mouth (laughs) we can't take any chances we'll have to take turns watching him 
Okay, I'll go first. Ah, so that's your little game. Let old Bart get nice and drowsy. Then when his back is turned, wham! Well, it is not gonna happen, see? You're going crazy, Bart. I'm telling your mom. Hey, Martin, tell him what we do with squealers. I don't know. Is it worse than what you do with people that have to go to the bathroom? You can't stop me. The hell I can't. I love that Mar- Martin is so funny in this section, like the that he's just pointing out all of these plot. Like he's just uh, checked out on it. He doesn't really care. He's like, I don't know. Is it worse than you? People got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I also like that Bart's going to hit him in the face with a rock with a slingshot. Yeah, he's going to and like he'll fall out of the treehouse <laughs> like he's going to kill him. Like, <laughs> yes. uh, Big result. Bart, Bart, again, Bart has fully lost his mind at this point. Like, so, and good fighting animation among the boys. And I love the shot of Homer from his little beanbag chair looking at them and the lightning strikes the tree. In this, like, in the weird side room, right? Yeah, yeah. this room that confounds everyone. They'd reuse this shot in uh, season three or four. Yes. Uh, it's the coming up next on Wings. Uh, who cares? Yes. That joke. <laughs> Their attack on the show Wings. They, yeah, I, uh, the, the lightning hitting. I mean, I think I think grading's right that it might be just a different angle on Maggie's room. Like it has a small mm. little TV in there, and there's like a a blow up crusty in there. Maybe maybe it's Maggie's room, or maybe I'm just associating that with on on McGaggy's birthday when they're watching the uh, slopstickle <laughs> course on the TV. That they're in Maggie's room there too. Right, so right. Maybe maybe that's why I'm associating the little TV with Maggie's room. Yes, the animation on the fight is really well done for the the kids all uh, Bart and Millhouse fighting. Millhouse then falls out of the tree. He's hanging. And this, again, is another very specific film reference to uh, Hitchcock's Saboteur. Because uh, the, the final fight in on the Statue of Liberty, a guy falls out uh, and the other guy is holding him. And not just by the hand, but by his sleeve. And the sleeve is starting to tear, just as happens to uh, Millhouse. So it is specifically from Hitchcock's saboteur and as a kid when I heard Bart trying to justify uh, what's happening he's like hey, you know what the rain did soften it up just let him fall you know that bones bones heal that comic book will never be fixed I don't think I, whenever I see a treehouse in the wild and it's very rare uh, they're no more than like six or eight feet off the ground this yeah. treehouse is 20 feet off the ground it's already yeah. a hazard this is the highest treehouse easily <laughs> I guess that's also a sign of like Homer's bad parenting that he put a treehouse that high in a tree as well uh, and then I also again i was the martin among my friends pointing out obvious things unhelpfully in moments like this <laughs> bart, the don't let go of me bart uh, 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 it's not that far to the ground the rain's probably softened it up a bit no bart, no if you guys hadn't tied me up, I could be saving the comic as we speak. Shut up. Shut up. Tell me, Bar, I didn't even want the comic. I wanted Karsha Stremsky with a big sideburns. What a uh, poor, poor Millhouse. He did. It's true. He didn't even want that comic. Why did he want that baseball card so much? Uh, I think I think he's just an impressionable kid. I guess, you know, it was the dorky thing to like Carl Yastrzemski of all of all baseball guys. Like, it's not a current guy. He wanted a 73 card. I would assume he's very into the baseball cards then or just baseball. Mm-hmm. He knows this very specific thing. But, you know, when you're a 10 year old, if you're super into baseball and then a friend says, like, no, we like comics now, you would go like, yeah, I love comic books, baseball (laughs) cards. I threw them all away. Like, no. 
as an impressionable kid definitely at age like eight i started really getting into comics because other kids were bringing their comic books mm. to the schoolyard i was like wow look at that like i i liked a spider-man cartoon on tv uh, a lot and i liked the toys but seeing the comics uh at school that was put me into the true addiction of weekly comic box i swear nobody i grew up with read comics That's nobody crazy I remember getting made fun of for having Spider-Man socks at school. Oh, I mean, and now that's just a thing. People yeah. have spider you know, whatever they like socks. Yeah. Kids get bullied for a while. Who knows where they get bullied? I, I don't want to know. It's probably sad, but for their Roblox. <laughs> yeah. Your Roblox aren't as cool as my Roblox. They, they see the kid designed like a bad uh, level in Minecraft, and they're like, my Minecraft of SpongeBob is much better than your Minecraft. I like you describing Minecraft things as levels, sure, Grandpa. Yes, like, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you and your Minecraft boards. Uh, I, mi- I miss his glick talking about Nazi <laughs> Smasher here. That's yes. <laughs> Uh, but yes, the Bart chooses to save Millhouse instead. The comic then flies out, hits the ground. The oh man, the the animation and the lightning strike in that comic and its explosion, like wow, that's good. That's really good animation. And Santa's little helper appears to destroy it before the lightning does. <laughs> yes. He was waiting. And that's when the boys they they are defeated and give up and and Marge calls them back inside in this uh this real no lessons learned ending clip here. Boys, you better come in the house. You don't want to get the sniffles. Oh, mom. No, no, come on. Hmm. You can play your little tie-up game inside. <laughs> I've got some cocoa on the stove. Who wants imitation marshmallows? Hi, I, I do. I'd raise my hand, Mrs. Simpson, if I could. It's no use, fellows. Another comic book has returned to the earth from whence it came. We worked so hard and now it's all gone. We ended up with nothing because the three of us can't share. What's your point? Nothing. Just kind of ticks me off. (laughs) Well, the world is safe again. But for how long? love that ending Bart learned nothing yes yeah (laughs) that's so great we uh I was talking about this with Bob a little beforehand but like there were so many in a row of like you know kind of a a touching ending or a real like state to the moral kind of ending but in this case like Bart says what the moral of the story is out loud and all three boys are like well why why do you even mention that like who cares like I don't know I'm just pissed (laughs) off yeah I love that. Like that, they all refuse to learn a lesson like that. It feels like they're they're so close to season three where they just stop giving a crap about like the less the lesson at the end of the episode. And Milhouse doesn't know that in uh, six years or so he'll be cast as Fallout Boy. That's right. Five years. Yeah. And so uh, I wonder if then he told them about like you know I owned a, a Radioactive Man number one for a half a day one time. Oh yeah, they don't bring that up at all. No, I mean uh, you know they don't I don't really need to, but. I'm I'm surprised. I really appreciate in that Radioactive Man episode that they even say the original actor is Dirk Richter and he's dead. Like yes, they actually I keep telling you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, and oh no! I was just laughing at the. He's dead. Like he's 85 years he's old, old and he's dead. <laughs> and. <laughs> 
and uh, i also like too that nancy like apparently she had a cold that day the recording so she does bart sounds really stuffed and up that with all god <laughs> but it works it yeah. works and and also last last compliment i'll say is like there's two really great animation bits here just one more time of like one the seeing from the inside of the car homer walk up to the car and open it like i love like all the motions in it are great and then needlessly but beautifully they have a close-up on the torn up comic book and then it like kind of zooms out or pulls out in 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 real time mm-hmm. like a real camera move it's again needlessly great and like, the cut co- these morning colors are amazing yeah they look great they don't always do this for morning shots but no. it looks really nice here it's really good and yet uh, i guess as a little kid it should have taught me that you can't share things it's hard to share things with friends when you're all selfish little boys but it would take me a little more time to learn that <laughs> lesson but i mean this i think this episode does really perfectly capture how it feels to be a little kid and really really want something like that that's i think why it stuck with me it was one of my most favorites when i was bart's age because i knew what it was like to like if i heard about like something that was say a new optimus prime figure and i was like no mom this is the one thing i ever want i definitely want this you got to get this for me and then if you got you know it then within a week i'd probably be like no mom i know i said that about (laughs) optimus prime but that was then this is now this is now yes i definitely did that with a uh one of the wwf video games that was really bad i felt that because i like guilted my mom into getting me it and then i played it once i think and i was like this is horrible uh it's a a real lee carvalho you were it was was one of the xbox ones so it was a little bit later out but like no i uh yeah i do recall like uh before being able to read a bunch of video game reviews asking for uh, a wrestling video game in particular and realizing oh it's not as good but then oppositely once my friends turned me on to the aki wrestling games like you know no mercy and revenge i was like oh these are the good wrestling games this is what i want yeah those were great mm-hmm. uh man i can't i'm hoping that you know we all dream that AEW wrestling game will be they 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 keep saying like hey if you like no mercy we hired these people who worked mm-hmm. on it like it i believe in kenny omega when he says he wants this to be the no mercy of, of our gener of this yeah. year yeah he seems like he's probably very hands-on with that video game so mm-hmm. hopefully he follows through since he loves him so much yeah uh man and uh yeah you know what i was just remembering too another another pro wrestler that loves comics and works in comic shops pepsi man himself cm punk he, hmm. oh yeah yeah he's uh i wonder how what he's reading these days but but uh but anyway yeah i think <laughs> this this episode uh was a childhood favorite of mine i think it is one of the best of season two like maybe my favorite of season two i think blood feud might be funnier but this this is my favorite of season two just because like i watched it eight million times when i was that into comic books and uh and it really captures the childhood love of comics to me yeah yeah it's a nice break from some of the downers in the back half of season two uh and some of the more emotional episodes that don't always work and it's a nice way to uh, wrap up the season yeah there's a lot of those in those first couple seasons mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah they well because they thought it was a regular sitcom they're like oh well let's mm-hmm. do a very special episode like it, yeah by this point they realize like how about we just be like big nerds and talk about how yeah. dirty we are yeah like the back half has a few that i'm not a big fan of like uh, war of the simpsons and bart's dog gets an f and a few other ones so it's nice to see a lighter one like this where the ending is just like well the characters learn nothing yes. and it's fine <laughs> and 
And the and the creation of Comic Book Guy opened the the yeah. forbidden door, as it were, to so many more comic book jokes that they would do from then on. Mm-hmm. And he would soon be uh, twisted to mock us. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Us, <laughs> me and you specifically. Yes. Right. Uh, well, Dan Housen, any other final thoughts? Uh, no, I think this is this is one of those episodes though where I don't realize that it's in such an early season mm. uh, because I remember the idea of it more. Like this happens actually often where I'm watching something and I'm like, oh, I thought this happened way later on. This one I knew was a little. I thought it was like season four or something, just because I. It's been a while since I've watched seasons one and two. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, it's a great episode. Mm-hmm. And it seems like it sets up like the tone of nah, they learn nothing, which is great because that would be followed through so many more times after this. Uh, yeah, and a few more, I think we'll have the uh, just an ending. That's it. Yeah, no, that's the next one. Blood <laughs> yeah, Feud. Blood Feud. Yeah, this yeah. is technically the season finale, I guess. I guess yeah, because this is May, and then they'll hold over for July, and then I, as far as the DVDs count. Blood Feud is a season two episode, but you know, you flip a coin, it's easy to call Blood Feud the start, the early start of season three instead of the late end of season two. I think post recent events, we should consider Blood Feud the start of season three. That's true, yeah, (laughs) but but that's not how Disney Plus categorizes it. That's true. But but man, uh, such a huge thank you for a very nice, very evil guest, Danhausen, for such. uh, We thanks so much for all of your time on on today's episode. Oh, yeah, no, thank you for having me. It was was a lot of fun. Uh, uh, it was nice going back and watching an old older episode that I haven't watched in a long time. All right, I usually fall into that category of like, I'll watch season four through nine or so. Mm-hmm. I just keep rewatching them and, you know, but it's it's nice to go back and watch older episodes. There's good times to be had in season two. Mm-hmm. It's true. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Dan Housen, please let us know where we can find you online and how we can support you. I know you're doing a lot these days, mm-hmm. so we really appreciate yeah. your time. Uh, so Twitter is always the easiest. Uh, it's Danhausen80. Uh, same thing with Instagram. Uh, I have the Patreon uh, where you get a bunch of bonus content. It's uh, patreon.com slash lovethatdanhausen. Then I've got the free YouTube, which is youtube.com slash lovethatdanhausen. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then prowrestlingtees.com slash danhausen if you want merch. You know, uh, on the Love That Danhausen channel, I've seen a lot of your explorations or on the Ethan Page one. Like it's you, you're having a good time. I mean, and we didn't even talk about like uh, uh, recent at the time of this recording, you know, your big, your big appearance in Ron Funch's like pro wrestling debut. Uh, that was amazing. Yeah. Where uh, Paul Shear betrayed us. I know you can't trust that guy. And he's a he's, wild he's... sentence. <laughs> Dan Shear. And then, uh, then Paul Shear had to be chased off with, uh, with a knife, I believe. With, yeah. Uh, alley cats chased him away with a knife uh but to see <laughs> very you, bizarre to see you and ron funches do uh the tequila dance uh that was amazing that was really yeah sad. it was nice because it was uh, no one knew that i was booked oh. so it was a nice nice surprise uh, it was my first time wrestling in california as well wow really man yeah. oh. well i had pre-pandemic uh, of course and then it didn't happen and then obviously i mean the pandemic is still happening at the time of this recording but it's a little bit more under control slightly so well yeah hopefully that's not your last wrestling event mm-hmm. in california I, I look forward to seeing you may, maybe you'll come to our neck of the woods who knows yeah yeah no i i hope to come back it's one of my favorite places i visited so mm. no it's not i mean you can go to the and you can visit real springfield when you're here for a wrestling event so it can't <laughs> be beat exactly. Uh, but thank you so much Dan House this was such a treat Mm. yes thank you and thank you for changing my voice to not terrify people yes 
Hey, this is Henry in the future. Just wanting to say that our pal Danhausen obviously has some more recent things he'd like to promote than when he recorded this with us. So don't forget that Danhausen is on Cameo. Danhausen is on Patreon and YouTube at Love That Danhausen. In addition to now being part of AEW's wrestling shows on TNT and TBS every week, you should also be looking for Danhausen at these events in February. Glory Pro Wrestling in St. Louis on February 6th. AIW in Cleveland. Cleveland, February 11th, the Toy Hio Toy Convention, February 12th, POW Pro in Eugene, Oregon on February 19th, and Prestige Wrestling on February 20th in Portland, Las Vegas, February 25th, and Pomona, California, February 27th. Check out Dan Housen at all those cool spots. So thanks again very much to Dan Housen for being on the show. Please check out all of his stuff. But as for us, if you want to check out more of our stuff and get all these episodes one week ahead of time and ad-free, please go to patreon.com slash talking simpsons. Sign up for five bucks a month. You get just that, but also access to everything behind the $5 paywall. That includes over 100 uh, bonus episodes of our miniseries. Our most recent one was Blabbing About Batman the Animated Series. That was 10 whole episodes covering our 10 favorite episodes of Batman the Animated Series. And by this point in time, we'll probably be talking about or maybe even have have uh, launched our spring of 2022 miniseries, so you never know what will happen. We're way back here in September, for God's sakes. (laughs) Please let us know the future is okay. But again, that is patreon.com slash talking simpsons and there is so much happening behind the $5 level, but there is a $10 level as well. When you sign up for that, you get access to all the $5 stuff, but also you can access one mega-long podcast once a month, only for patrons of that level or higher. And what is that, Henry? Bob is talking about the What a Cartoon Movie podcast. You know we have our sister podcast, What a Cartoon, where twice a month we cover an animated series on both the free feed and patreon but uh only for the premium patrons at ten dollar a month do they get our monthly what a cartoon movie podcast where we cover often for over four hours sometimes even over five hours an animated feature film super duper in-depth recent ones have included us doing a millennium actress the satoshi Kon classic the rankin bass classic rudolph the red-nosed reindeer before that batman beyond return of the joker i truly uh, i'm sure danhausen really enjoyed that one and bunches and bunches more over three years of them a hundred i'd say we're over 200 hours at this point i'd bet of just what a cartoon movie podcast you can check out that whole back catalog at patreon.com slash talking simpsons and that ten dollar a month gets you all the five dollar stuff bob mentioned as well so please one more time check it out at patreon.com slash talking simpsons so I've been one of your hosts, Bob Mackey. You can find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. My other podcast is Retronauts. It's a classic gaming podcast about old video games. You can find that wherever you find podcasts or go to patreon.com slash retronauts. Sign up there for two full-length bonus episodes every month. And Henry, how about you? You can follow me on Twitter at H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. I'm always tweeting up a storm there. I certainly am tweeting about pro wrestling. If you liked all the wrestling talk in this episode, I'm chatting about it there. So follow H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G on Twitter. And also, if you enjoy this podcast, you should really follow the official Twitter account of it, at TalkSimpsonsPod. At TalkSimpsonsPod keeps you up to date when new episodes go live on the free feed, when there's new stuff on the Patreon, when we have announcements of a new podcast schedule, all that stuff, you stay up to date if you follow at TalkSimpsonsPod on Twitter. So do that today. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week with Season 12's finale, Simpsons Tall Tales.
Has anyone turned in a left Vulcan ear? Let's see. Uh, we got a utility belt, a couple of tricorders, a lightsaber. Sorry, kid. 